you will, say you won't Make up your mind tonight Say you do, say you don't more underrated bands from the 1980s foreigner say you will from 1988 welcome to a very special night well not very special but somewhat special night 
of Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Druff and Friend Show, doing a Sunday show. We've had very few Sunday shows in the history of this program, but I can't make it any other night this week. So I figured, rather than skip another week, after so many skipped weeks this year, I want to make sure to get this show out. And besides, most of you are not working tomorrow, given that uh, Monday is a holiday. So I think that it will be fine, even for you East Coast people, that we have a show on Sunday, and even if we go light. So welcome. Want to let everybody know we have a free roll tonight, and I messed up a little bit. Messed up a little bit because I had the wrong date of the free roll in the software. So when you went on to register for the free roll, you may not have noticed that you were registering for a free roll a few days from now. So the only way to fix this was to remove everyone from the free roll. I did this about like 10 minutes ago and set it to the right date. So make sure if you're playing tonight's free roll, which is $55, that you go and you check that you are still registered. And if not, make sure to register to give a bit more time for people who may not have noticed this. I'm going to start the free roll 10 minutes late tonight. So instead of 7.40, it's starting at 7.50 Pacific time. So 7.50 p.m. Pacific time is the free roll. No late registration. And make sure you are registered if you were registered earlier because I had to kick everyone out and restart the whole thing. I apologize for that. Uh, Anyway, we're going to have a guest host on tonight. This is the Druff and Friends show where every week I'm the host, but the second host is a revolving door of different people. A big revolving door. We, we really don't even have a regular second co-host or semi-regular second co-host. It's really a whole host of different people. So we're going to have a new co-host on this week, someone who's been part of this community for a long time, definitely been part of controversy in the past, not so much recently, but he wanted to co-host tonight. I wanted to give him a chance. And tonight we're going to have on Weissman. Yes, that Weissman is going to be co-hosting tonight on Poker Fraud Alert, and I hope his Skype works properly, because we did not test it before the show. Uh, And to show you how much knowledge he has of broadcasting these radio shows, he asked me, do I listen to the show while it's on or not? That's referring to when he's on the show with me here, should he leave the radio on in the background. (laughs) So, that wasn't a good start, but I hope when he gets on, it will go smoothly. With this show, you never know. So, Before I get to the agenda for tonight, let me put him on. He's a kind of a funny picture, too, for his Skype. You know, you can identify yourself on Skype with an image. Here you are. So, Weissman, can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, good. Sounds good so far. All right, beautiful. And you have the radio off in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, beautiful. So, uh, now, what is this picture? Of course, on the radio, people can't see pictures, but I'll describe it. There's a picture that usually someone put a picture of their face or something representing them. Yours says Dan, which I know is your first name, and it looks like a kid's drawing of a ship. Now, is this something you drew like 30 years ago? No, this is actually really funny because it pertains to the poker forum community. Apparently, I think that Phantom's son (laughs) drew that in school and he showed it to me. I don't know why. Was it for you or is his son named Dan? 
it was it was for me. I wow. have no idea why. <laughs> I I can't remember. I can't why. imagine. So Phantom Son is drawing you pictures in school. That's really strange. But, <laughs> all right. You know, very nice. Uh, I was I was actually hoping it was a picture you drew in like 1984 or something. But anyway, uh, that wasn't me. Yeah. I can't even draw that good. No, I, I couldn't either. I I couldn't draw at all. That was something I I've never been good at any form of art, and that's why when people question like how Poker Fraud Alert itself looks, I say it doesn't look that good because I'm no good at any kind of design or art or anything like that. Uh, I can program, but I can't design. The two completely different things. So I'm going to get to the uh, agenda tonight. And how much have you been keeping up on poker current events? Uh, not that much. Just whatever has been on the forum and All right. just shooting off or whatever. It's flying stupidity. All right. Well, I know you kept up with bitcoins at the very least, and I, I'm sure there'll be. You have a lot of opinions of the stuff we talk about. So, uh, here is the agenda tonight. Not a really large agenda, but the agenda nonetheless. First of all, I mentioned on last week's show that I was banned from 2 plus 2. And I am still banned from 2 plus 2. I expect my ban on 2 plus 2 to last a very long time, if not forever. And it definitely is not helped by the fact that uh, not only am I not doing what Mason Malmuth, the owner of 2 plus 2, is demanding of me, but I'm making fun of him and his partner on Poker Fraud Alert, which I'm sure he's seeing. So I'm sure that's not making him very happy. But uh, there's an old phrase... If they're picking on me, they're leaving someone else alone. But the, the reverse of that is true, too. If they're picking on someone else, they're leaving me alone. And Mason Malmuth found a new person to pick on this week after I was banned last week. That would be none other than Daniel Negranu, who was threatened with a ban by Mason Malmuth and almost banned just a few days ago over something really stupid. So crazy stuff going on at 2 plus 2. Mason Malmuth definitely ruling the place with an iron fist. Well, a WSOP circuit ring winner steals a 25,000, I shouldn't say dollar, 25,000 tournament chip after the tournament was over? <laughs> he really did it. Someone stole a chip out of the tournament after it was over. And the question is is this guy a criminal mastermind or an idiot? Or somewhere in between. Did he just take it for fun? Or was he trying to cheat? So we'll talk about that. It's, I've never heard of this before, but uh, apparently this has happened. And there's, there's no question on this one. The guy admitted to doing it. A Pennsylvania bill, I'm sure you'll have an opinion on this one, since you live in Pennsylvania, uh, has been introduced to make a crime out of playing poker online. Wow. Keep in mind, this is not the same thing as making a crime out of running an online poker room or processing payments for an online poker room. It is playing. That is, if Weissman here plays online poker, if this bill passes, he could go to prison. So we will talk about that and how likely it is for that bill to become reality. Speaking of the poker legalization fight, Sheldon Adelson, sworn enemy of online poker... He has a group that has launched a new attack ad against online poker that is running on the web right now. I'll play you the ad, and we'll talk about the ridiculousness of the ad, but believe it or not, I think the ad raises a few good points. And believe me, I don't agree with Sheldon Adelson whatsoever when it comes to the 
online poker legalization matter. You know I'm very pro-legalization of online poker, but I think the ad against online poker brings up some good points. And if these points are not addressed on our side, then the other side might win. So we'll talk about that. Uh, Weissman, have you seen the movie Runner Runner? Yeah, I watched it a couple weeks ago. Oh, good. So it's fresh in your mind, and it's very fresh in my mind, because I watched it last night. So I will give my review of it, and then I will will hear from you what you thought, and even what you thought of my opinion of the movie. Uh, the Definitely. movie The movie was so uh, not good, shall I say, that my girlfriend got about halfway through it and quit. It was she, forgettable. Yeah, it she, wasn't very poker related. She she refused to watch after the first half. Like a, what happened was Benjamin needed something. We had to pause it, and then she just like went upstairs and disappeared. And I said, "Well, you coming back down to watch the rest?" No, no, no. You can watch it without me. So, so I finished it without her. Uh, I have an editorial again this week. Every week, I I like to put out some sort of opinion section, an editorial about just something I feel that's topical for the moment. This is about the World Series of Poker. The schedule was announced last week. I won't go over that specifically because we talked about that on last week's show, but I just feel in general the World Series is a little bit living in the past and out of touch, and they need to change the events, that is the actual events themselves, and the structure of these events, because I think that uh, it's out of date, and I think there's too much luck in some of these events. So we'll talk about that. Well, we haven't done a prank call on the show in a while. Last week, I planned to, but the show had to be terminated kind of early. I got through everything on the agenda, but I didn't have time for the prank call. Tonight, nothing having to do with poker, just for fun. El Chico Loco makes his return, and he has a problem with his computer. His computer is not working. And he is going to make a call to a help desk that will help him with his computer, but in case you don't think that's a very interesting call, the help desk he's going to be calling is a scam. Mount Gox is looking like the full tilt of Bitcoins. Mount Gox, just like full tilt, which was once very big and respected and trusted in its community. It was once the place to trade Bitcoins. Now it looks like they are broke. Now it looks like that they don't have anyone's Bitcoins. Something is very wrong over there on Mount Gox. There are actually protesters standing out in the rain and snow in Tokyo protesting Mount Gox. (laughs) (laughs) So this is bad news. and, uh, And to show you how the market is reacting to it, the Bitcoin market, I'm just going to go take a look right now. As I'm doing this show, you can have a Bitcoin on Mt. Gox for $287, which if you think of Bitcoin prices being as high as 1200 on there at one point, that's a, an amazing degradation in price, and most of this has happened in the last few days. And on other exchanges, Bitcoins are trading for around 630 So we're, we have less than half the price, the normal accepted price of Bitcoin at this moment, on Mt. Gox. So why wouldn't you just go on Mt. Gox and just buy up all the Bitcoins? Well, because you cannot get them off of Mt. Gox. Your Bitcoins are stuck there. The ones you buy now, the ones you bought in the past, if you have any Bitcoin on Mt. Gox, you cannot do anything except sell them to other people on Mt. Gox. 
And of course, just like on Full Tilt, the question is, do they really have the money? Do they really have the Bitcoins? Or are they just representing them to you in an account balance? And I have to think the answer is probably no, or at least somewhat no. So I think a big disaster is waiting to happen here with Mt. Gox. It's already on its way, but I think this can only end one of two ways, and neither are good. We will talk about that, and I know you have some interest in the Bitcoin subject yourself, so that will be an interesting discussion. And those are our topics tonight, not the biggest agenda. So I'll give out the phone numbers for the show here. If you want to call in, please be patient, because if we're in the middle of something, I won't take the call. But just call back. Don't call over and over and over again, but call back if you try and can't get through. The phone numbers, as always, 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355 is our main phone number. You can also call the Mount Charleston line. I have an old 70s rotary phone sitting on top of Mount Charleston, which is near Las Vegas. It's a mountain near Las Vegas. If you call that phone, it will always forward to wherever I am. That's 702-430-1808. 702-430-1808. And you can also text me on the main phone number only, 775-372-8355. So, I will read texts that I received during the show. Do not text the Mount Charleston line. Old 70s telephones can't get texts, but the main line can. So those are the ways to get a hold of me. And, of course, there's the chat room. If you have an account on the Poker Fraud Alert forum, you click chat near the top of the screen, and you can go in and chat, and I will try to read the chat as much as I can. But... You know, I'm doing a show here, so things may get by me. If you really want to get something across to me, either text me or call me. But I'll try to read the chat as much as possible. You can also PM me in there that, that I see more, but don't bombard me with PMs. So let me quickly tell you about the free roll, then we'll get the show going. The free roll tonight, $55, all thanks to Willie McFML. Thank you to him. A $55 free roll on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. You click that near the top of the screen. It says No Fraud Online Poker. You need a separate account there, but it's a totally free free roll. You don't need anything, not even play chips. Here are the prizes. It's No Limit Hold'em. It starts at $7.50 in 18 minutes from now. First prize, $25. Second prize, also known as the Shady J, Shady J Prize. Shady J is uh, known to finish second. So the Shady J is $15. Third place, $10. And fourth place is $5. I will pay you cash. That is on PayPal. I'll send you it in an envelope. I'll send you a check. I'll give you a bank transfer. I prefer PayPal. It's easiest for me the fastest way to get it to, but I'll pay you in any of those ways. This is a real free roll where you get real money, and it's totally free, and the pool of players is small, and tonight I bet it's especially small, because not only did I have to kick out everyone before the free roll started, because I had to change the date, but also we're on an off night, and whenever we have this broadcast on an off night, we just have fewer people in the free roll, so uh, this isn't like entering a free roll on a poker site with a thousand people. Here you have always fewer than a hundred. I bet tonight a lot fewer than a hundred. So, one day, one day. <laughs> so we, if you want to have access to win the money, though, there's only one requirement. 
You need to have a registered account on Poker Fraud Alerts Forum dated June 1st, 2013 or before. If you do not, you need to email me, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, and convince me you've been listening to this show for at least three weeks, or that you're someone I know from the past in some way, either on this forum or some other way. And I will give you a lifetime exception to win the free money. But you have to do this before you play tonight. You can't do it after you win. I believe last week's winner did not qualify. He didn't even contact me. Someone named ADZ124. And uh, if I don't hear from him, then I will kick that money back into the prize pool of next week. But I want to give the guy a little bit more time. What's the statute of limitations on that? You know, I've never established that. I just, I think by next week is, is you know, two weeks. If the guy doesn't claim the money, then too late. I, I've never said that officially before, but uh, I'm saying it now. It's a good question, though. I, I've never had that come up. I have had it a few times where people don't claim it because they weren't eligible. But I, I've never had it before where uh, where someone's questioned like the statute of limitations on that, as you say. <laughs> and I, I, I you, you know, Garrett, who a lot of people don't like, and he did a he was the co-host last time. He actually won a free roll here when he first came to the site and I actually made an exception for him and paid him the money because it was clear from everything he wrote that he had been around lurking in this community for a long time. So, as far as I was I concerned, I thought he was Jay Searless or whatever. No, 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 he's real. No, he's he's very, in fact his picture's been posted. Uh, you know, people know who Garrett is in real life. His name is Josh. So, uh, anyway, that's what's going on. Get in the free roll in the next 15 minutes. And let's get to the first topic. Mason Malmuth. Is this the most important topic in poker? No. But is this the topic I'm going to go first? Yes. Um, I'm not going to go over the whole thing again, what happened to me last week on 2 Plus 2. But I was banned on 2 Plus 2 about a year after I got reinstated there, after a long ban. I was banned initially for being associated with Neverwin Poker, even though I didn't do anything to break 2 plus 2 rules. I stayed banned all the way until my fake account, which at the time was named Toilet Bowl, was exposed by the engineer who had been on this show, you know, the PPA vice president engineer. He exposed my fake account when he realized it was me. And the one good thing that came of it was it led to me being unbanned. But I always got the impression that Mason Malmuth wasn't all that thrilled about unbanning me. He personally disliked me and kind of just very reluctantly let me be unbanned because people wanted it. And it would, would have made him look bad to say no. So sure enough, he has rebanned me now about a year, la- a year later. Mm. Happened last week. The reason I was banned was not for breaking any 2 plus 2 rule. Not for insulting Mason or uh, or his partners. Not for scamming anyone, obviously. Not for doing anything shady. The reason I was banned was for not apologizing to a person who I made accusations to on Poker Fraud Alert. That was the reason I was banned. <laughs> So, I, we talked about this last week, and that really was the reason I was banned. I'm not kidding. And 
I was banned until I made a full and sincere apology. It actually says that. Banned reason needs to make a full and sincere apology. Not to Mason, not to David Skolansky, his partner, but to someone Mason doesn't even know who used to run the Palms Poker Room because Mason feels like I accused the guy of something he didn't do. I mean, talk about overreaching what you think is your power to try to control other people's websites in matters that have nothing to do with you. And especially, it's not like he's banning me because I scammed people on my website. That would make sense. He banned me because he didn't like the way I treated someone on my website. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy, but that's Mason for you, and believe me, there were personal reasons behind it. So we talked about that last week. Uh, What has happened this week doesn't really involve me, though there were people calling out Mason for banning me, and I appreciate that if if you were one of those people who called him out on 2 Plus 2. And there's some really funny photoshops of Mason Malmuth and David Skolansky you'd like to see, and also some of their greatest hits from the past of things they've posted. Uh, you can look at those in the Goodbye Everyone, it's, uh, Goodbye 2 Plus 2, It's Been Fun, which is the name of that thread in the Flying Stupidity Forum on Poker Fraud Alert. I recommend that thread for a good laugh. But this week... It gets worse, because in addition to banning me, he threatened to ban none other than Daniel Negreanu? Now, Weissman, have you seen this whole thing? Did you uh, read the whole Daniel Negreanu incident that yeah. occurred? Yeah, is, is Skolansky the Sioux guy, or is that me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, so Skolansky's the guy who, at least as of several years ago was living with a a girl named Sue who was uh, retarded in some way. I mean, you look at the pictures of her and she definitely doesn't look right. And I think Skolansky himself said that Sue was inbred or something like that. But he was living with a girl who's about 40 years younger than him with some sort of mental handicap and having some kind of sexual relationship with the girl, presumably. Uh, now, that's not new stuff. That goes back six years or so. Uh, it might still be going on, as far as I know. Are they still together? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing they are. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't heard they're not. But uh, that's who Skolansky is. But this problem I've been having here doesn't have to do with Skolansky. It has to do with Mason Malmuth, who, as far as I know, doesn't have any like really weird stories about him. But he's like the definition of a curmudgeon. He really is. He really is the angry old guy. When he sits and plays poker in the Bellagio, he looks perpetually pissed off. And not pissed off in the way like that some of the miserable players are, who are just like angry at the dealers or, or, or whatever, angry at running bad. Mason just has this pissed off look on his face. Like What's he, he hates being there. What was that? What's he play? He plays usually 30-60, or I guess they've done, they've done away with that. I guess a 20-40 or 40-80 limit hold'em. He also plays 5-10 no limit. Uh, he's your typical tight, older guy. You know, he's an okay player. He, he's not a fish. He's not great. Um, yeah, pretty much what you'd expect a 60-something-year-old guy to be like in these games who's, who's been around for a while. But he always looks pissed. He talks to no one. He sits there with an angry look on his face. Hates his life. Yeah, and someone commented on 2 Plus 2, I think it was actually one of our users, said that uh, an empty chair has more to offer that game than Mason does. And, I mean, it's true. He really brings nothing to the game. He just sits there 
pissed off. I don't know. I think he's kind of break even, is my guess after the rake. How but, does he? Is his income two plus two? Or yes. What's... Yeah. What he owns two plus two publishing. So every time someone buys a two plus two book, any of the Skolansky books or any of the others they publish, uh, he gets a large percentage of that. And all their big money is books. Yeah, and then they probably charge some good money for advertising because it's a high traffic poker forum. So it's between those two things. I don't think he's rolling in cash, but I, I think he's pretty comfortable. And I think poker is more of something he does for fun. But the funny thing is, he doesn't look like he's having fun. And he doesn't have to be there. Hmm. Poker's not how he makes his living. If I had to guess, I'd say, like he, probably after the rake, he's around a break-even player, from what I've observed of his play. And yet, he looks like he hates being at the tables. I don't get it. And but, you'd think he would be there to show face for the company, but all he's doing is kind of hurting them because he's yeah. shit. And he's always wearing a 2 plus 2 shirt. It's a it's a 2 plus 2 shirt, but the 2 plus 2 logo is so tiny on it, you have to, like, you have to wear binoculars to see it. Like, it's, it's, it's probably not even... better than a Hoosier shirt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> so that's Mason Malmuth. And Mason is best known for Believing he has more power in poker than he does And then trying to wield that power So he will use his forum To ban people To try to control them Uh, So in addition to trying to make me write an apology He also banned Negranu this week Telling Negranu he had to delete certain posts from his forum From a few years ago And uh, the funniest thing was I think this is about six years ago Shortly after I was banned on 2 Plus 2, he banned a respected ESPN writer for including me in one of his articles. <laughs> and there's no more to the story than that. that. That was the entire story that Gary Wise, a respected ESPN uh, author of articles on there, he, a respected ESPN reporter, did an article called, uh, what was it called now? The, the online poker th- I think it was the online poker think tank And I was one of the people Selected to participate in it because I was a big online poker player And because I was one of the people on the panel Gary Wise was banned from 2 plus 2 So he was trying to tell Gary Wise of ESPN You can't include Todd Wattellas in your articles Or you're banned from 2 plus 2 That's that's how much he thinks He has reach in the poker world So that's that's vintage Mason and Poker is full of egos. Oh yeah, these yeah. people have nothing else to live for. Yeah. So the so really Mason, all he has to live for it seems is two plus two. Like that's that's his whole identity is that he runs the biggest poker forum, and he thinks he has this immense power. He's actually talked before that uh, you know he's one of the most powerful people in poker. Two plus two is is one of the most is the most influential body in poker. It's, he overestimates his reach and two plus two's reach. So he felt that he could force me to apologize Just like a mother forces their four-year-old to apologize after they hit someone He's trying to make me apologize on my forum In a manner that has nothing to do with him or anyone associated with him So that happened last week And I'm, I'm not going to do what Mason says If I do ever apologize to the person in question Which is the Palms poker manager It will be after all the facts have come out And after I feel that something I said there was wrong or inappropriate And only at that point would I apologize And it's never going to be what Mason would think Is sufficient, even if I do put And this is about the card room manager guy? Yeah, yeah. 
So, uh, and definitely that guy, that card room manager definitely did some things wrong. It's not like he was totally innocent, and, and I came out and uh, um, accused him of all these things he didn't do. There was one matter that was part of the accusation that came from a third party to me that I posted that probably wasn't true, and that was the accusation that he was stealing from the promo fund. And uh, after everything came out, it looked like he wasn't stealing anything, but he was still using the money, I believe, in a way that uh, was probably against the law and also uh, against Palm's rules. So even like though he wasn't, he wasn't stealing it, he probably didn't enrich himself at all. And he probably, you know, the money didn't actually get stolen, but it got used the wrong way, and uh, he's no longer the manager there. So, I mean, should I apologize to the guy for posting a third-hand account that he was stealing when he wasn't? Maybe. But uh, was this guy completely innocent? Was this guy doing everything right, and I just dragged his name through the mud? No. Uh, this guy definitely deserves some attention brought to him, just uh, um, there was an extra thing he was accused of that probably wasn't true. So anyway... Uh, Mason is demanding I apologize to this guy. It's not happening. But Daniel Negranu, he was banned from 2 plus 2 for about, uh, I'd say about a little bit more than a year. And believe it or not, Negranu's ban has to do with something that happened here on Poker Fraud Alert. Now, Negranu does not post on Poker Fraud Alert. He never has. I assume he's browsed it before, but he's never posted here. He doesn't have an account here. But what happened was, some of you might remember the... 22Q podcast that Jacep did included Jacep, included uh, Brandon Drexel Gerson, included oh, uh, yeah. uh, a few other guys from the uh, what was the site Vegas Poker Radio site they were running, but it was actually broadcasting from the Poker Fraud Alert server, and it was a marathon podcast, like 54 hours. They put a lot of effort into it, and it was for the. 22Q Foundation, which is a charity for kids with the 22Q disorder. Seemed like a very nice thing to do, very good idea, and it was except for the fact that Jacob stole about half the money that was donated to this charity. Would that raise 3600 or something? He stole, I think, about 2500 from the charity, and, and then he also stole 5 k at least from users here in a separate matter. So... <laughs> So, I mean, yeah, he, he stole a lot of money, this Jacob. So, so what does this have to do with Negranu? Well, what happened was, and Ma- believe me, Mason was very, very proud of this whole thing. Uh, Negranu posted about, he, he appeared on the 22Q podcast, and he was very pro the 22Q podcast. He posted about it, and uh, or I think someone else posted about it. That's what it was. Uh, the organizers posted about it on 2 Plus 2, and Mason deleted the post and said that 2 Plus 2 will not allow any charities to be promoted in any way because they don't have a way to verify their legitimacy. I remember when that happened. Yeah, so a lot of people got really mad at Mason saying, this is such a good cause, how can you say it's not legitimate? And you know, people were, were, <laughs> were so mad at Mason. And then, of all things, it turned out that uh, even though the 22Q uh, Association seemed like it was... Uh, at least uh, he was dead ass right. He was right about the guy organizing it, Jacep, uh, that he was a thief and stole half the money. So, <laughs> so Mason must have felt great about it. And uh, now Mason did do something uncharacteristically nice at the end, and that is he actually donated, donated the, money the money back that Jacep stole. But I think he did that for <laughs> PR reasons. But but whatever. The way Negranu got involved was Negranu was so disgusted by Mason refusing to let it be promoted on 2 Plus 2 that he wrote a blog about Mason called uh, something like, The Owners of 2 Plus 2 Are Scumbags. 
And he wrote it on his uh, full contact poker site Or maybe he made a post there or something So Mason was really angry about that And banned Negranu And Negranu has been banned for the last year or so Well Negranu made a new account Just I don't know why But he just got a wild hair up his ass And decided he wanted to start a discussion About improving the poker world in general So he registered an account on 2 plus 2 Named Dnegs And made that post. Now, initially, D-Negs was banned by one of the mods there because people thought it had to be fake, that it wasn't really Daniel. But no, it really was Daniel. And people enjoyed the topic. The topic got going for about nine pages, and people were going back and forth with Daniel about you know, improving poker. And Mason showed up. And Mason always decides to ruin the party. <laughs> now, here you have Daniel Negreanu, one of the biggest names in poker Posting on a forum Now, Weissman, how many big names in poker Do you see posting on forums? Not many at all Yeah, very, very few They just don't do it for whatever reasons uh, they, they feel they're too good for forums They feel that uh, they don't have time for it Their time is better spent uh, with other promotions Than make them money uh, Whatever it is they don't post on forums And the ones that do kind of sporadically show up there And make a few, you know Three-line posts like Durr will do every so often But Negranu actually showed up And made a post that was Very long And he was actively participating in the discussion So people were really enjoying it And then Mason had to show up And ruin everything So I'm going to read what Mason had to say To Negranu about uh, coming back now, Negranu came there and and basically said that he wants to bury the hatchet with Mason and just come back. Now he didn't ask to come back, but uh, he just came back and said, "I want to bury the hatchet." So instead of Mason saying, "All right, fine," you know, a year has passed, you're a big name in poker. You think even Mason would be smart enough to realize that someone like Negranu posting on his site would be good for him because it would bring more traffic to the site and make him more money. But like an idiot, he doesn't realize that. He writes the following. Hi, everyone. First off, we think this is a very good thread and an important discussion for our industry, so we hope it continues. But we do have some issues with Daniel Negranu returning to our forums, you know, because uh, Daniel Negranu is such a huge troll who shouldn't be on forums. (laughs) Uh, I'll address them here In the first post of this thread Negranu writes But it's time to let bygones be bygones and move forward Well that's fine with us But for this to happen it must be a two way street And so far that's not the case On Negranu's own site Full Contact Poker There is a thread he started called 2 plus 2 is run by scumbags And for him to become part of the 2 plus 2 community This thread needs to be deleted for those interested, take, please take a look at post numbers 1, 34, 35, 36, and 45. <laughs> they actually listed the post. <laughs> In addition, post number 60 is an embedded interview that Negrano did for the, quote, 50-plus poker podcast dubbed the Iron Man podcast benefiting the 22Q.org foundation, and he makes some comments about me and 2 plus 2 starting at 18 minutes and 45 seconds. <laughs> so, wow. Mason really... You have that pre-written as a word document Yeah, yeah, he he was really on Every little bad word ever written about him On that forum For those of you that don't know This is Mason's writing, not mine uh, 2 plus 2 has a no solicitation for money policy With just a few exceptions Which we strictly enforce 
Apparently, Negreanu was objecting to our policy, but in this case, it was certainly the right policy since most of the money for the 22Q Foundation was apparently stolen by the main organizer of the Iron Man podcast. Also, to help the 22Q Foundation cover the loss, I donated $2,500 directly to them. And finally, I tried to contact Negreanu last night, and he has so far not responded. And then he always signs off with, Best wishes, Mason. So, so of course, as you might guess, people uh, were not very happy about this on 2 Plus 2. Here they're having a discussion back and forth with Negreanu, who, you know, for all practical purposes in poker is a celebrity. You know, Definitely. You, yeah, so so you're talking back and forth with a celebrity, a guy you see on TV, the guy who's a face of poker stars, just the guy a lot of players want to be. And here he is posting on the forum and interacting with people back and forth just, just because he wants to. And Mason <laughs> Mason threatens to ban him over a post from a year ago. So uh, Negranu responded and said, absolutely not. And he had a good line. He said, the reason I don't work a regular job and haven't in 20 years is because I don't like having people telling me what to do. And that's basically what I said too. That I'm not going to have absolutely. I'm not going to have third parties acting like they're my boss and and telling me what to do. It's just not going to happen. So so Daniel refused, and so everything Mason was saying was that uh, if Daniel doesn't, he's going to be banned. He he didn't actually get banned, but he was all ready to ban him. Well, there was such outrage about this, and keep in mind, <laughs> keep in mind, there wasn't uh, people weren't very happy about me being banned either, and the reason for it, but. Uh, of course, it's not the same level as someone like Negranu getting banned. So they were so pissed about this. Even one of Mason's own mods named uh, Sergeant RJ, who's actually a girl, uh, she's usually... She hot? Uh, let's not talk about that. <laughs> she's, she's, she's a nice woman. I actually like... I, some people think she's a bitch, but I, I think... Uh, I think I think she's a a nice woman. I think she, her heart's in the right place with everything she does there. I think uh, I'm sure she's great. Is she hot? I, I'll let you find her picture and make judgment. Okay, for I will. I'll look it up. <laughs> so, I got gotcha. you. So, um, but anyway, uh, she made a post on two plus two, actually bashing Mason for this, not bashing him personally, but saying that uh, she doesn't like. She finds it. Uh, she doesn't like the direction of finding uh, things on other sites and banning people for what they do on other sites or something like that. And she said that this whole thing is ridiculous. And she, she wrote a pretty strongly worded post criticizing Mason for this, which I was surprised. Because she, she rarely criticizes 2 plus 2. And for her to criticize Mason here, I thought was pretty strong. The Seriously Serious also came out and uh, said that this isn't right. Mason chose Seriously Serious's post to claim that he had his mind changed. So Seriously Serious can take credit for saving Daniel Negreanu, but in reality, I think it was probably a combination of everything. If there's one person I think probably had the most to do with it, it was probably uh, Sergeant RJ for just saying this is this is crazy. I, I think I think maybe that's what made Mason realize it was like one of one of his own very loyal mods is bashing him over this that maybe he's being stupid. So. He said that he's been convinced otherwise now and will not ban Negreanu and won't make these demands of him. So, Oh my god, what a great act of mercy. <laughs> so uh, keep in mind, this is the second reversal I've known of him doing. The other one was Gary Wise that I just talked about earlier with the ESPN author when, again, there was just 
major outrage of banning an ESPN author because I was in an article. So, uh, anyway, I don't think I'm coming back. Uh, had I stayed quiet and then eventually apologized, even if it was on my own terms to where I wrote an apology that I really felt I needed to make, uh, I maybe would have had a chance of coming back at that point. But I, I said, screw it. I, I'm not going to stay silent about this, and I'm not going to just sit here and not talk about it, because this is ridiculous, and I've contributed a lot to 2 plus 2 over the last year. I've followed all the rules. I've made a lot of good, thoughtful posts. Um, I, I've really tried over there to make that forum better. Not not better in the way of changing anything, but better as in making very high-quality posts that take me a long time to make. You're and, the Michael Sam of poker forums. Just <laughs> yeah, sticking up for what's right here. I, I wouldn't say that, but... Uh, I, I think there's a one major difference there between me and Michael Sam, but <laughs> he's black. Yeah, that, okay, two major differences. <laughs> so, but uh, you know, I, I just couldn't stay quiet about this. I, I couldn't stay quiet. Let me read you some other of Mason's uh, greatest hits from the past. Um, some of you might remember shortly after Black Friday, the PPA almost had their forum taken away on. 2 plus 2. They have their own forum over on 2 plus 2. This is what Mason posted on April 28th, 2011. There's 13 days after Black Friday. So what's the most important thing to talk about 13 days after Black Friday? Is it uh, the shutting down of Full Tilt and Poker Stars? Is it uh, legislation that prevents us from playing online poker in the U.S.? Is it getting our money back from Full Tilt? No. According to Mason, here's the important thing to talk about. Warning to the PPA. Take the communist picture down. That's the one associated with action, how to respond to DOJ, and it features a raised fist, it features a raised fist, red stars, black and red outlined circle, or this forum will be closed in 24 hours. So basically he was saying that he didn't like the graphic they used to click on to take action to respond to the DOJ. It looked like a communist image to him. And if they didn't get the communism off their page, then their whole forum would be removed. (laughs) I mean, this sounds like a fictitious character, this Mason guy. I mean, the thing is, he's probably got such a big head because there are so many just nerds and everybody else that goes to his forum and just flocks to it, and he's just like the big puppet master guy on top controlling everything, and he he probably thinks he's great. I mean, look, we're even taking his quotes like he's fucking George Washington going one by one. Guy's an old idiot. He calls himself Top Dog on there, too, which is so funny. (laughs) Someone uh, someone on our forum actually said they posted on there, it got deleted, but they they posted over on 2 Plus 2 that the Top Dog needs to be put to sleep. (laughs) That's probably true. But uh, anyway, uh, these are just some of the wacky things that Mason Malmuth does over there. So they almost lost Negranu as quickly as they got him back. And uh, I have to imagine this didn't leave a good taste in Negranu's mouth, regardless of the fact that he stayed unbanned. In fact, he said something like, well, this is certainly a nice welcome wagon or something like that. So, uh, I mean, it's amazing how successful the 2 Plus 2 forums became given who's running it. And this was the ultimate case of right place, right time. Because what happened was that everybody used to talk about poker on a news group called Rec Gambling Poker. That was the way people used to post back and forth to each other on the internet before the web existed. 
Um, then the web came to exist in the mid-90s. And uh, still, news groups were pretty popular because that was the accepted way to really uh, talk about things, and there really wasn't any good forum software out there. Uh, eventually, some good forum software was written, and at the same time, the news groups were getting spammed really badly. So people were getting really sick of the spam on Rec Gambling Poker, and because there was no central authority running them, you know, it was uh, difficult, difficult to control that. So forums became more popular than news groups, and news groups are pretty much obsolete now. But 2 plus 2 happened to be the forum they went to, just because it was there. And people moved from Rec Gambling Poker to 2 plus 2, it became the biggest forum, and once people get entrenched everywhere, or somewhere, it's, it's hard to move them on the internet. People just get used to something. So yeah. even if it sucks, they don't want to leave it unless something really, really horrible occurs. So... You know, people get mad at Mason, and believe me, two plus two is nowhere near as popular as it once was, mainly because poker isn't anymore. So, right, their posters were all like the main winning players back in the day, wasn't it? Wasn't it like Johnny Bax and his whole crew? Oh yeah, 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 there and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they had a lot of big winning players, both online and live, posting there all the time. And most of those people don't post anymore; they're just gone. Like you look at the typical posters on 2 plus 2 and they're just kind of uh, it's a kind of a collection of uh, no names over there and uh, not to say no names don't have a right to post I'm not saying that uh, they shouldn't I'm just saying that it doesn't have the prestige it once did and the it doesn't have the activity it once did you look at the most active forum on there news views gossip and that thing used to move so quickly you couldn't keep up with it now you see threads from you know a day ago still on the front page on there which is unheard of from a few years ago I've actually never been to 2 plus 2. Wow. That's surprising. Ever. You haven't even clicked on a link there to see something? Uh, maybe I have, but I've never posted or anything. I've never, like, you know, went and browsed through their topics or anything. Yeah. You know, one problem over there is that even with the lessened activity, whenever anything happens that gets people's interest, like a big story, there's what is known as a very high or very low, actually, signal-to-noise ratio, where the good posts are greatly, greatly, greatly outnumbered by bad and stupid posts. So you have, like, a thread that's 120 pages over some big story that's happening, and you show up there at that point and start reading from page one, and it's just so intimidating because you you don't want to read 120 pages to catch up. And then Hell you go no. through it, and, and you you notice that most of these posts are garbage. So it's not even like 120 pages of good, gripping posts. It's like a whole lot of junk and then a few good posts mixed in there. So it's so hard to go through, and people are always asking for cliffs over there because they know that these 100-page threads, it's almost all crap, and you don't want to go through it. So right. that's part of the reason I started Poker Fraud Alert was for these scam-related threads that I want just the information, the relevant information – that people can find and go through and easily locate and easily understand. You don't have to read 100 pages. You don't have to sift through a whole bunch of other threads of, of crap that isn't that important. And uh, we even got a compliment from uh, poker uh, a guy in poker media named uh, BJ Nemeth who came to the site for the first time when the, uh, the Who Jedi chopsticks thing happened with the theft of the tips at Foxwoods. And he complimented Poker Fraud Alert had a high signal-to-noise ratio. He said he was surprised to see that uh, most of the posts in that scam scandals and shadiness forum are good and valuable. And that's, you know, that forum is nowhere near as active as News Views Gossip. It's not even nearly as active as our most active forum over here. But 
I wanted to have a place. That's the main reason I started this site that people could go to, could just quickly find a big list of all the scams that have been happening in poker and get up to speed on each topic within a few minutes. So anyway, uh, that's the story with two plus two. I think I've, we've talked enough here about Mason. Fuck him. Yeah. So uh, reading from the chat here, by the way, Crow Diddley pointed out that I said the word BJ. So uh, Beavis and Butthead would appreciate that. So let's get over to uh, the next topic here. I always lose my agenda during the show. Here it is. Next topic. This is amazing. This is an amazing story. I I just read about it today. We have a very bright guy here who won... Okay, we have two bright guys here. (laughs) Now, this guy's actually not here. He's actually... uh, I don't think he's on this form. A guy in uh, Florida named Chad Earl Pelton. Chad Earl Pelton won his third WSOP circuit ring at the Kennel Beach Club wow. in Florida, which is pretty good. That's impressive. I, I, I have zero circuit rings. So I don't, I've played very, very few circuit events. So I don't think Where I could. Where is that? It's in Florida. Is that Naples? And I think it's Palm Beach. Oh. Yeah. So uh, this is a World Series of Poker Circuit event, eleven twenty-five buy-in. His third ring. So you think, okay, this guy couldn't be that much of an idiot if he wins three rings. But then he proceeded to steal <laughs> a twenty-five k chip after the tournament was over. <laughs> so he wins the tournament, and then. On the way out or something, he he grabs a single twenty-five k chip and pockets it. Like what off a roulette table or? No, no, no. The, the tournament chip. Well, what as a collector's item? The, the, well, that's what he says. So that's what's so weird about this story is that it's hard to figure out if this guy was just a moron, or if this was some sort of cheating scheme, and if maybe he used some kind of similar cheating scheme to win this and his other two rings. Uh, so sounds like the story isn't a story. Well, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's hard to tell. So this guy, uh, he admitted to it when he was caught, and he said that he was just taking it for a souvenir, which is kind of weird because the ring is the souvenir. Like, wh- why do you need a chip also? But uh, there's currently an investigation into this because I, I guess they have some kind of uh, casino champion standings where you get some kind of prize or whatever for having the most points in this uh, series. Uh, they have withheld his prize money at the moment, and they are also not giving wow. him points for this while they're figuring out what's going on and if he should be disqualified for intentionally taking a chip. This didn't, like, accidentally fall into his pocket or something or into his bag. He admits he knowingly took the chip, but he was just taking right. it as he's, a souvenir. He's innocent. I mean, the kid took it as a souvenir. There's no way he would take a 20... What are you starting with in that tournament? 30000 I don't know, but that's... Uh, the. What was brought up here, I think what you're getting at, is that a 25k chip does not get introduced into these tournaments until later, probably near the time of the bubble. So you can't just start off with a 25k chip and, and start with a dominating stack. It doesn't work that way. You, you, you can only bring it in once there are real 25k chips in the event that, that came. Especially, you're, you're at the fucking kennel club. It's not like you're at like Caesars or ha- Harris property or somewhere universal. Yeah, so 
Um, now, something is being pointed out in the thread about this on Poker Fraud Alert. This is from Beer and Poker, who's co-hosted this host before. He won event number nine. Uh, number ten was the main event. So there, there is the possibility that he knew he was going to play the main event and wanted that extra 25k. Where that re- the 25k would come into play really if you're kind of near the bubble and you're afraid of bubbling. This would give you a nice boost. That, that's my estimate here. That uh, that's when it would be useful. You can't use it at the beginning, obviously, when those those chips are not in play yet. And using it too deep in there won't mean much because 25k is very little. You know, if if, if the average is 700k, giving yourself 25k more is useless. So the 25k would be useful if there are 25k chips in play, but you're short stacked with like 60k. I guess this kid doesn't play at the Borgata, or else he would know a little better than touch the chips. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny that we have two scandals like this in such a short time. And so I don't know what to think about this one. I keep going back and forth. At first I think, yeah, this is just an idiot who's like, oh, man, I want it again. Okay, I'm going to take, an, I'm going to take a chip. But maybe he took one each time. is the only time he's gotten caught. Uh, maybe he really is just taking it home and, and putting it with his ring to uh, commemorate. I think that's what it is. I mean, it sounds innocent enough. To commemorate it, but... Uh, I mean, how could he not think about the fact that if he's caught, it's not just he's breaking rules, it's that it makes him look like a cheater. So, yeah, you should have just asked for it. Yeah, that's what people are saying. Like, just ask for a damn chip. But if, if they say no, they say no. But you're really risking something. And here you've won all this money. I don't know how much you won, but here you've already won a lot of money, and now they can deny giving you the prize, maybe. Yeah, if, that's uh, bullshit. I mean, that's just uh, uh, taking a huge risk here. So, if they were smart, they would count the tournament chips at the end of the tournament. You know what happens is because of all these color-ups, there's never... I mean, if they kept better records, then they could still account for them. But there was one year at the main event of the World Series that two million in chips were missing. And that, that was never rectified. And it was blamed on color-up errors, but people didn't believe it. So Do they round up or down there? Or no, not or? missing. Sorry, was it missing? Actually, I, maybe the chat can correct me. It's either missing or there's too much. One of those two. There's two million either way that was wrong. Maybe someone in the chat can tell me. It's a few years ago. There's 6,000 people. One of them's cheating. Yeah. So uh, I'm not sure what denomination chips he had in his stack when it was over. People have asked, why not, why not just take a, a smaller chip? The truth is, though, if you took a, like a 5K chip, that would probably be more useful than a 25K chip to cheat in the future. Because I think probably a 5K like the chip... Color. Be... What, what was that? You probably liked the color. It was probably the biggest chip they had. Yeah, that may have been it. He may have just taken uh, the biggest chip that was... That he had and uh, and took it. I mean, when I won my event, I I never had the thought, oh, I wish I had one of these chips. Like, not only wouldn't I have done it, I never even thought like, oh, I should take it. I, I never thought like, oh, I should commemorate my World Series win with a chip from here. I I never thought it. I knew the com- the commemoration is the bracelet I was getting. So, uh, I don't get this. But uh, if I were him, you have this money coming to you. You fucking made a mistake. You lawyer up. Make sure you get your tournament winnings. Make sure you don't get in any serious trouble. Get out of there and get whatever fee you have to pay that lawyer. Yeah, I I think he should get the money that he won because it's pretty clear that the the only evidence they have against him is that he did something after the tournament was over. So this didn't affect him winning this tournament. And yeah, they can say, oh, maybe he did this before and and snuck other chips in to win here, but they can't just say maybe he did. That's not how it works. They have to have evidence he did. So so they... they, Now, if they want to ban him from all their tournaments in the future, fine. That's up to them. But... uh, 
if they if all they have on him is that he did something after the tournament was over, then he should get the money, in my opinion. Especially since it's not really clear what he did with it. It's not like they caught him sneaking this chip into the main event and then want to confiscate the money he already won or something. I mean, they, and this is the third ring he's won at this casino? I don't know where he... No, I don't think it was this casino. Actually, I can't tell you. I, I don't oh, know where okay. he won the to. But, but he has been around, obviously. You don't win three rings without playing a number of tournaments. So right. this isn't some noob who won his first tournament and didn't understand. So he definitely understood. He definitely knew what he was doing. He knew he was breaking a rule with what he did. Uh, the question is, was he just dumb enough to not understand... Uh, uh, that this could be construed as cheating if caught. Maybe he was dumb enough. Uh, now let me tell let me you, tell you if, he, if he was trying to cheat, it was dumb enough to where he can play the dumb enough card. Yeah, well, you want to hear dumb enough here. This is something else that happened to him uh, back in 2012. This is a <laughs> uh, 29-year-old. This is as of 2012. Uh, it says Chan, but his name is actually uh, Chad. Earl Pelton was asleep in his car Friday morning while it was running when Brian, and Brian is is not a name, it's a uh, city, officers found him in the parking lot of an apartment complex off Broadmoor. After waking him up and searching the vehicle, they found nearly a pound of marijuana, three and a half Xanax pills, and $1,760 in cash in the car's console. (laughs) <laughs> so I mean th- th- this is crazy so he actually falls asleep with a pound of marijuana in his car. How do you do that? Like like d- uh what? did you hear the second drug? That's how he yeah, did it. Yeah, I know, but wouldn't you think if you're driving around with a pound of marijuana and he he admitted by the way it says Pelton told the cops he was going to sell the marijuana for money. <laughs> <laughs> I mean <laughs> Why not just say, now I guess it also said there that uh, they were packaged in a way that it looked like it was for sale, not just like a, a stack of marijuana that was a pound. But but still, you don't have to admit it. They haven't caught you actually selling it to anyone. You could just say... Dude, I know exactly what happened. He was still on the Xanax, and that shit is like the truth serum when you're like coming oh, down. Oh, is that what it is? Like, I'm telling you, he got busted, fall, fell asleep from taking too many Xanax. And then admitted to them while he was yeah. still all zannied up. Yeah, I mean, you'd think you'd say, no, I just bought this for myself. I just have a pot habit, and I was going to bring it home. You know, like, 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 why, why say you were going to sell it? I, I don't know how long he spent in prison for that. Because a pound is a, a substantial amount, especially if you admit you're going to sell it. It's much worse than just being caught with a you know, recreational amount in your car. But Absolutely. I mean, if, if I was driving around with a pound of marijuana in your, my car, I would be in a freaking panic. I would just be obeying every traffic law. I'd be making sure not to call any attention to myself, and I would just try every way possible to get to where I'm going and not have any contact with police. So to actually fall asleep there, it's, it's worse than, like, speeding with it. I mean, just falling asleep in your car with a pound of marijuana sitting in there. But, yeah, I'm sure it was from the Xanax. So that's what happened I mean, to him. sounds like one of those kids that, you know, isn't used to coming around money. Yeah. So in 2012 that happened, and so who knows – there's two different ways to think of this one. Either he's an experienced poker player who knew what he was doing with a main event coming up next, or he's just an idiot who took something for a souvenir and was too stupid to think about what this would mean if he got caught. So it's it's very hard to tell which one it is. Based on his prior arrest, you got to think he's an idiot. I mean, <laughs> the guy admitted to selling weed. You'd think he'd admit to what he was doing with that 25K chip. Yeah. So, <laughs> give him a couple Xanax and ask him. Yeah. So, uh, 
that, that just happened recently. So uh, they don't know what they're going to do. The, the statement from the World Series of Poker about this. Yesterday after Event 9, the 1125 No Limit Hold'em event concluded, tournament staff discovered that a player had removed chips from the chipset being used in the event. It was not really chips, it was one chip, but whatever. Uh, the Palm Beach Kennel Club, which I think is a terrible name, by the way. The Kennel Club? Like, it's, a, it's a dog racing park, probably. Oh, is that why? It, okay, I never knew why they called it that. Okay. I thought it was just a cute name or something. I think like, the Kennel Club is so weird. Like that's why I asked if it was. A, there's one in Naples called the same thing. Kennel oh, Club. okay. So I I didn't understand the name of that. I thought that's so weird. Like the Kennel doesn't sound like a nice place to go to. That's like a place like. I thought I'd co-host a show and teach you something. Yeah. Well, it's, I learn something new every day. So local gaming authorities are currently conducting an investigation into the event and the players' eligibility. Until this investigation is wrapped. We will be unable to finalize casino champion standings for the Palm Beach Kennel Club stop as this event bearing has bearing on final point standings in the race. We will announce the casino champion winner once we have resolution, but it likely will be determined after the action wraps here in Palm Beach. That was from the World Series saying that uh, I guess it's their casino champion standings and they're saying that uh, this is going to affect everything so they can't give you any kind of final standings until this situation is figured out. How many events? Uh, I think there's 12 events in this place, and the, oh, so it's coming up. So yeah, number 10 is the main, and then there's two events after that that are not the main. You know, the World Series used to do that. The World Series did this weird thing that they don't do anymore, that would have the main event, and then for people who busted the main event, they'd run these little side 1500 no limit tournaments that were bracelet events, and I actually did fairly well in those. I used to enter them. And I, I cashed in one, and I got a fourth place in another one. In fact, that's been my best No Limit Hold'em uh, finish ever in the World Series, was in one of those. So uh, they don't do those anymore for the World Series, but I guess the circuit, they still do. So anyway... Money for the casino. Oh yeah, I, everything they do at Caesars is about that. When I talk about uh, something that I'm sure is close to your heart, the Pennsylvania Bill introduced to make a crime out of playing online poker. That's pretty bad. You know, I moved from Pennsylvania, right? Oh, no, I didn't know that. I, I was I was hoping that you hadn't, and then uh, you would be in danger here. But uh, no, where I, you I live in the complete opposite state of Pennsylvania. I'm in Colorado. I didn't know that. I All this time, I thought you were in Pennsylvania. I guess nope. I guess it's easy to think that because you're always talking about the the Phillies and the 76ers. So I just uh, I just yeah, they'll always still be, be my teams. I haven't been in Pennsylvania since 2010 or 11, 10. Yeah. So okay, I I didn't realize you're in Colorado. Where in Colorado are you? Durango. In Durango. Southwest. I I've been there. It's been a long time since I've been there, but I was there, and I I was in Colorado actually this past summer. I was in uh, Colorado Springs, and I drove to the Good type. Of, state. I I drove in the to the top of Pikes Peak. Have you ever done that? No, nah, I've only been here a month. How close is Durango to uh, Colorado Springs? About three hundred and fifty miles, oh, okay. I think. That's up towards Denver, right? Yes, it's it's like uh, fifty miles south of Denver, or so. Yeah, Denver is about three hundred and thirty miles from okay, here. Okay, so it's pretty far. It's. Uh, but uh, it it was actually a lot more interesting than I thought it would be. Uh, I, I thought that driving to the top of Pikes Peak could just be like driving up 
a big mountain. And I said, all right, well, I've I've driven in the mountains before many times. That's no thrill. But I said, ah, I might as well just do it. It's, you know, it's 14,000 feet. How often do you get to drive to 14,000 feet? So I did. But it was actually a really cool drive. It was like you were winding up into the clouds. It was almost like you're driving to heaven. I'm not even kidding. Like, that, that's the feeling you were getting, especially because it was like a partly cloudy day. So you would see the clouds on the side of you as you're winding up this road going to the sky. So How'd I, you handle the altitude? Not that well. Uh, I Being an aging Jew, I yeah. expected it. <laughs> well, so, so what happened was uh, I was actually a little worried about this because – you know, the biggest problem is once you get to the top, especially if you're feeling crappy, then what do you do? you got to get back down. So I committed we're not going to spend more than 20 minutes up there. And uh, you can take a, a railway up there, which is what I did the only other time I went to Pikes Peak when I was uh, 12 years old. But uh, I, I said, no, I'm going to drive this thing. I'm not going to be a pussy. I'm not going to be afraid of driving up Pikes Peak. The road itself is fine. It's just very, very high up. So I drove up there. Got a little bit lightheaded going up, but I, I felt okay enough to finish it, get to the top. Well, we got to the top. Right at the top, you go into a cloud, so we couldn't see any view from the very top. So that was actually kind of for the best because we didn't have any reason to stay up there. And it was really cold up there, too. It was like 80 degrees down there in Colorado Springs and uh, like 40-something and windy on the top of uh, Pikes Peak. So it was, it was cold up there, especially with the wind chill. But uh, we stayed up there, I don't know, 15 minutes or so, went back down. And the good thing about going down, though, is, is quickly you start to feel better because the air is getting thicker and thicker as you go down. But, Definitely. Uh, but, but, yeah, the 14,000 is a huge difference from, like, 11,000. Because when I go skiing in Mammoth, the peak there is 11,000. And I'm constantly going up to 11,000. And most of the day I'm staying between 10 and 11,000 when I'm skiing. And I can stay there the whole day and I'm fine. But the 14,000, boy, that was a big difference. So there, there I definitely would not want to be up there that long. So anyway, let me go back to the thing about uh, Pennsylvania. Sheldon Adelson, who is a known enemy of online poker, some people think it's because he's greedy. Some people think it's because he's a greedy Jew. And it's not. I mean, I can't say for sure because I'm not in his head. But this is a very, very principled guy. And when I say principled, I don't mean he's right with what he's doing but I mean he has certain issues that are very important to him and then he spends his billions of dollars to make these issues uh, to, to have an influence on these issues so unlike you and I who can only go post on the internet about them and ends up you know meaning nothing in the grand scheme of things when you have billions of dollars, you actually can influence the political process. He gave uh, I think $100 million to Mitt Romney to get him elected, which uh, I thought was a waste of money because I didn't think Romney was going to win. But uh, um, he also gives a lot of money to pro-Israel candidates. So this is someone who picks things that are very important to him and gives money. And a lot of times these things have nothing to do with him making money, like the pro-Israel candidates. They don't, they don't make him any money. But he, he does it because he's uh, very, very pro-Israel. And so the thing with the online gambling, yes, he probably believes that it hurts the casino industry. But I don't think that's why he's doing it, because he would actually get a license to run these these online casinos, so he'd get a piece of it. I think he just hates online poker, and I've said that before. And just poker, online gambling of all types. He just hates it, he thinks it's bad. And He's, he's a Republican. He he is a Republican, but I, I'll note he has backed Democrats before who were pro-Israel. 
So he's not I, like I a, just know Pennsylvania is a very Republican state. Well, I don't. They, they uh, Obama won there in 2012, so it's not that Republican. Well, I guess where I where I live. Yeah, it depends where you are. It depends where you are in Pennsylvania. But uh, it's it's actually kind of a middle of the road state overall. But actually leans uh, a little Democratic. But uh, Sheldon Adelson is backing all these different groups that are anti online gambling. In fact, I I wouldn't do this, but uh, I always thought like. If I wanted to make money, what if I like just said, you know what, I'm a converted former online poker player, and I've decided it's evil. I've decided it should never be regulated, never be legalized. I'm super against it, and I'm going to start a coalition so it never gets legalized. Now, I would never do this, and I would never believe in doing this. But I bet if I did this and went to Sheldon Adelson and pitched this to him, I bet he'd give me money. I bet he'd give my group money to, and, and I could go work for him to be anti-online poker and probably be paid pretty well, especially as a former uh, you know, semi-known online poker player. I would never do a it. New career. Yeah, I would never do it. But I'm saying like he is backing so many different groups that are anti-online poker and anti-online gambling because that's something he wants to see defeated. So anyway, this, think the, the timing of this is you know all the other the Nevada and New Jersey have just opened their sites. Yeah, definitely. That's why he's so. Uh, vigilant about this issue now because he's seeing it happening. He's seeing that the states are starting to get in-state online poker and knows this is the first step to eventually legalizing it everywhere. So he's panicking that this is going to become reality and once it's entrenched, once it's there, there's no going back. So uh, he said he's going to spend whatever it takes to stop it. So anyway... Uh, this was actually posted on Poker Fraud Alert by the engineer, Rich Muni, the PPA vice president, who um, comes on here every so often to bring issues like this up. Uh, so this is what was posted. As Pennsylvania studies the potential of legalizing online gambling, state rep Mario Scavello wants to set up a roadblock to web-based wagering. The Monroe County Republican on Tuesday outlined a plan to penalize people who gamble online, which is illegal but not punishable in Pennsylvania. Scavella believes online gaming poses a threat to children who could easily find the site and especially dangerous to problem gamblers who could go all in and lose from the comfort of their living rooms. Mm, I ha- no limit. I hate when they use these poker terms when they're trying That's to... That's hilarious. Yeah, He's so hip. <laughs> the Coalition to Stop Internet Gambling voiced immediate support for Scavello's proposal, pointing to a recent Quinnipiac University poll that found 62% of Pennsylvania voters opposed the legalization of online gambling. The national co-chairpersons, former New York Governor George Pataki, former Arkansas Senator Blanche Lincoln, and by the way, she's a Democrat, and former Denver Mayor Wellington Webb, who I think is a Democrat too, released a joint statement that called criminalizing online gambling a step in the right direction. So this is really an issue, even though people blame it on Republicans, this is really an issue that stretches across both parties, both for and against. For example, uh, Newt Gingrich has always been pro-online poker. And has said so. So you you can't just pigeonhole everyone. Of, okay, he's a Republican. He's against it. He's a Democrat. He's for it. It's, it's, it's not like that. It's uh, very divided. Though I will say more Democrats are for online poker and more Republicans are against it. it there's a lot on both sides. On These people are just so fucked up. They go to someone's house who just starts playing online poker, go on their computer. They have like 200 movies on their hard drive. They're like, oh, no, we're just here for the poker. <laughs> Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, so well, what, you know, what's so stupid here is uh, 
to, to say that uh, you have to take care of the problem gamblers and all that, you you can't take care of people's vices with, with money. You just can't because what are you going to do next? Make it illegal to spend compulsively, to not budget your money well, uh, to, to invest in stupid things. I mean, there, there's so many different ways you can waste your money without ever gambling. That Apparently if you're some... all you have to do is uh, email these poker sites and tell them you have a gambling problem and they'll give you a refund on your uh, yeah. <laughs> buy-in. Well, that was a while ago, but uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, it, this is just such a, a stupid reason to keep online poker. The thing with the children, I mean, how how is it a threat to children? How are children going to lose? What are children going to lose? They're going to lose their life savings, what, of the, the $100 in their piggy bank? I mean, if they, if they take their parents' credit card and, and deposit online, then it's the parents who suffer – and it's the parents who will see the bill and take away the credit card and punish the kids and say never again. And that's it. It's over. You're not going to have a, a kid losing a million dollars online. Like, it just can't happen. So I think it's more the habit that they're scared yeah, of. Yeah, but what, what habit's going to really... Like, like how much can your kid really get away with, with like constantly playing online poker and hide it from you? You really have to be out to lunch as a parent and not catch that. They, yes, they can play. the new marijuana. It's <laughs> the new gateway. <laughs> so so uh, th- this is this is crazy here. But anyway, uh, so the big thing here is that this is an attempt to actually punish players rather than operators of the sites or payment processors. And the reason I have been very open, even on national TV, about being an online poker player, about playing on illegal sites, is because I'm not breaking the law. By playing on those sites, and I know that, so I, I don't worry about going to jail for this, for admitting this on national TV. But th- they're trying to make it in Pennsylvania where you would. And uh, in fact, I believe the uh, let me get the the penalties for this, which wasn't in this article. I have another article that lists the penalties. I love when they list the penalties; they're always the most outrageous thing in the world. Yeah. So this this proposed bill from. Uh, uh, State Senator Mar- Mario Scavello. Uh, the first time you're caught, three hundred dollar fine and up to ninety days in jail. Second time you're caught, a misdemeanor. The first time would not be a misdemeanor; it'd be what's called a minor summary offense. I'm not sure what that is, but uh, something lower than a misdemeanor. But the second conviction would be a misdemeanor, eligible for a twenty five hundred dollar fine and a year in prison. Imagine it. What are you in for? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I. Uh... It's playing the Sunday two fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> so Jesus. So uh, what's interesting is that uh, Scavello actually is in a state senate district that is right next to the district that contains the Sands Bethlehem Casino, which Adelson owns. So there's there's some talk that maybe there will be some backlash about this. Shithole. It probably is. <laughs> but, it is. Uh, anyway, I don't think there's that much of a chance of this passing. There's always all kinds of wacky bills that uh, are attempted to be passed, both in the state government and the federal government, and most of them never go anywhere. So a lot of them sound really, really scary or outrageous, but then they never get anywhere. And I, I don't think that uh, this would get passed Uh and uh, I, I haven't heard about a lot of support for it, but it's disturbing that this is happening here, especially criminalizing playing on these sites. And that's that would really be a big change. Yeah, you never know. You know, you just you never know. Yeah, that's why it's it's something to really be concerned about. That um, now, of course, there's a matter of enforcement too. It could be a law that's on the books that they don't bother to ever enforce. But uh, 
you'd, you'd never want something like that on the books. Like if that was on the books where I lived, I, I would never have felt comfortable going on TV or being public at all, admitting that I played online poker, knowing it could put me in jail one day. You know that if they do pass it, they will make an example out of someone. Yeah. Uh, that's what, I mean, I'm, I'm afraid of that too. So yeah, you don't, you don't want that. So that's the first thing that uh, is going on with the anti-online poker effort. And uh, Sheldon Adelson has expressed the full support of that, but uh, more directly related to Sheldon Adelson is this ad. You're going to enjoy this one. I'm going to play it here. This is an ad against online poker. The ad is entitled, Don't Let the Games Begin. I can't believe they spend money on this shit. <laughs> this, is, this is a web ad that has been circulating, and this is actually produced by a group that is sponsored by, or fu- funded by Sheldon Adelson, the Coalition to Stop Internet Gaming, or Gambling. The Coalition to Stop Internet Gambling has put out this video. Right now, disreputable gaming interests are lobbying hard to spread internet gambling throughout the country. If they get their way, gambling will be available in every home, every bedroom, every dorm room, on every phone, tablet, and computer. Every- I hope that happens. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great if we, ha- we have we have uh, access to play poker at every every dorm room, every phone, every tablet, every I think uh, I don't know. Whenever I have my uh, phone versions of these type of things, they're always terrible and impossible to use. Every bedroom, he made it sound like it was sexual. Wait, what was that? Every bedroom, he made it sound like it was sexual. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because they show like a girl sitting in her, uh, like sitting in shorts on her bed. So they're even kind of—I don't know what they're trying to imply there, but uh, and everybody looks all unhappy in this ad. Will be available in every home, every bedroom, every dorm room, on every phone, tablet, and computer. Every- yeah, yeah, the girl sitting on her bed, she looks like. She looks really stressed out. I guess she's supposed to be playing online poker and just like really uh, losing or something. The only way those actors get any credibility is if they have Judonk in one of the one of the stills. Twenty four seven, targeting families, kids, the elderly. This isn't a game. The FBI warns that online casinos are vulnerable to a wide variety of criminal schemes. That's amazing. I, I've never seen any criminal schemes occur in our community. Nah, never. So, no, uh, the, the elderly, I don't understand that one. The elderly, how many old people do you see playing online poker? Like, when I was 35 and at the online poker table, I was like 10 years older than the second oldest person there. Shout out to Lockman. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I think he's the only senior citizen they're targeting. While the FBI is busy defending against terrorist threats and cyber attacks, internet gambling will give criminals across the world a foothold in every American household. They're going to be in your household. Watch out. They're coming to get you, the terrorists. Attracting criminal activity not only at home, but internationally. Gambling without borders, making it ridiculously easy to launder money for crime syndicates, even for terrorist organizations, and providing easy targets for identity theft. Now, what they're doing here, by the way, is they keep showing in this ad news reports, one from the Tampa Bay Times, one from something else that they don't show what the source was, and they're highlighting things like online gambling is a strategic national threat, internet poker vulnerable to money laundering by terror groups, cheating and fraud warned for experts in FBI. So they're trying to show this as if there's articles everywhere saying these things. 
theft. An established Al-Qaeda poker network could extract enough untraceable money from the United States in just a few days to fund several 9-11-sized attacks. The FBI's job is tough enough. Why make it easier for organized crime and terrorist groups to... Now, what's funny right there is you can't see this. You, you can... Uh... You can find this, by the way, if you go to the Poker Fraud Alert forums and go to the poker community discussion. It's a thread I started called LOL at this anti-online gambling ad. But at the uh, 105 mark, minute 5 mark, it shows like a camera on what looks like some sort of uh, lobby or something. And it has like a, a yellow circle as if the two people in the picture are being highlighted. It reminds me of that show Person of Interest. You ever seen that? No, no, it's it's just like out of that, like the the camera's watching people and then it's uh, identifying the people. I have no, no idea what that has to do with the message they're trying to get across here. But uh, how long is this ad? Was this a short film? <laughs> I think it's going to be up for an Emmy. Nice crime and terrorist groups to operate in the U.S. and threaten the safety of law-abiding citizens. When the online games begin, that's when the trouble starts. Don't let it happen here. Say no to internet gambling. At the end, there's a guy sitting on a chair. There's a guy at the end when they say, say no to internet gambling. There's a guy sitting on a chair in the dark. You can just see his body, the silhouette of his body moving. And he's actually doing a facepalm on the chair. There's actually a facepalm in the ad at the very end of it. It's my favorite part is the facepalm. Very appropriate. Yeah, the shadowy guy doing a facepalm. So, so, um, Honestly, the only thing I took out of that is if I were going to open up a poker site, I would name it Gamblers Without Borders. <laughs> yeah. That is a good That's name. That's all I can remember. That is a good name, Gamblers Without Borders. That's so, a great line. So, see, something good came out of this ad after all. But I'm going to yeah, this ad's obviously ridiculous, but let me tell you something that uh, they actually got right here. And, you know, to defeat the other side, you, you have to understand that they're going to go after your vulnerabilities, and you have to close your vulnerabilities, you're going to lose. And that's, it's like that in sports, it's like that in politics, it's like that in poker, wherever there's a competition, the other side, even if you laugh at them and, and think you're better than they are, uh, if they can find your vulnerabilities and hit you there, you can lose. And that's what we have to be careful of here. That's what the poker community and the interests who want to see poker legalized need to be careful of, is that you don't laugh these ads off as ridiculous and focus on what they're bringing up where they may actually have a point that could resonate with people. And I don't mean a Where point... are they playing these ads? I want to know. I, that I'm not sure yet. I think it's like a web-based campaign. I don't think this is on TV yet. But, but... Yeah, like where are they getting five minutes of airtime? <laughs> well, it's actually a minute 20. It took five minutes because we were stopping it. But it is a long ad. It would t- be pretty expensive on TV. But Adelson said he's willing to spend whatever it takes here, and this is one of the groups he backs. But what the thing brought up here that I think is actually a legitimate point and needs to be addressed is the fact that it is easy to launder money through these sites. It is easy for terrorists to get money into the U.S. through these sites. And I've said this for years and years and years that this will be a big problem when the anti-online gambling people realize this and use this as a reason to never legalize online gambling. Because uh, now, stupid. Well, no, it's stupid on the state level. Like, like this couldn't happen on the existing Nevada sites, uh, because if you can only play within your own state, then the money's already in the country. So, you know, there's no 
need to have to move it around. But it's like stupid because the money laundering is just as prevalent inside casinos. Well, yes and no, but let me tell you about the thing with the with the terrorist funding of uh yeah, th- through these online poker rooms. If there is an international room that serves customers both in the US and outside the US, as poker stars and full tilt and everything else used to be prior to Black Friday. It's very easy to have someone, a terrorist over in some other country who wants to get money in the US to have them both get accounts online and have the first one dump money to the second one in a convincing way where it doesn't look like a chip dump. And uh, and there it is. It looks like money won through online poker and no one knows anything. And I said, this is a big problem. This is I don't think this has been done yet. I think it hasn't actually happened. But it's something that wouldn't be hard to do. And given that there are so many roadblocks now for terrorists getting money in the U.S., now every foreign transaction, especially from certain suspect countries like Saudi Arabia, are being scrutinized. When that's happening, uh, this is one way you can get past everyone. This, this will look completely innocent, and it won't be. And it's very, very difficult to tell. So the industry needs to come up with an answer and a good answer for how this will be stopped, for how this will not be possible. Now, right now, the very simple answer is we don't allow international players, so it can't happen. The money has to originate from the U.S. to get on our site. So that's it. That shuts it down. But if they ever allow international players, uh, this is something they have to come back with a strong response to, or otherwise, uh, this is going to make it vulnerable. And you can laugh at this, but the general public who, uh, you know, they don't want money getting back in the U.S. to fund another 9-11, they're going to be concerned. And if you don't have a good answer to this, it's going to make the other sound, the other side sound like they're right. And in fact, in this case, they are. Not that it's happened, but that it could happen. And so you have to sometimes watch what the other side is doing, what vulnerabilities they're trying to pick on to know people where you have so to focus dumb. your energy. You're right. They just prod on people's weaknesses, and people's weaknesses are being dumb. But it's not just that. They actually brought up a good point, though. They brought up a point where there is a vulnerability in online poker that can allow money moving into the country without detection. And that's Russ Hamilton, who owned a poker site couldn't even figure out how to cheat his own players without getting caught. You think they have Al-Qaeda cell groups that are sitting there teaching terrorists how to play heads-up matches convincingly well, with dumb see, chips? See, it, I don't believe it's happened yet, but keep in mind, these people put together... Uh, it, it was sort of simple, but it was actually pretty clever what they did on 9-11. That was actually pretty well thought out, and that's why it was so effective. So yet you can't say they're too dumb to think of this because this doesn't require a genius level IQ to figure out you can do. So I've always thought this is something that could happen. I don't think it has happened yet, but it's something that could happen. And with all these tight controls on money movement in and out of this country to try to stop terrorists from getting money here, uh, this is a big hole that the anti-online people, uh, anti-online poker people can exploit if there's not a good answer for this. So, uh, similar to uh, how a sports team will adjust when they notice their opponent doing certain things to exploit them, uh, so must the pro-online poker legalization people respond to these kind of statements and respond well. 
and not just laugh them off. That's that's how I feel about this. I know you think that it's uh It's just a shame that that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Like, and uh now I I think there's a lot of hyperbole in this ad about uh uh having terrorists uh have a foothold into each home or whatever they said. <laughs> that's pretty ridiculous. And I don't understand the identity theft that uh just fear tactics. Yeah, I don't understand that one. So there's a lot of dumb things that were said there, but unfortunately they did hit on something that that is true, in my opinion, and needs to be addressed. So uh, that's what Sheldon Adelson has been up to lately, and he didn't do this ad personally, but he's funding it. Uh, so Speaking of identity theft, shout out to CLA. <laughs> Yeah, you know, get CLA. We we always seem to have a scammer on Poker Fraud Alert that shows up at the beginning of the year. That's always when we have our problem. We had it with the Templar in 2012. We had it with Jacep in 2013. We had it with CLA in 2014. Just the beginning of the year is it's a tough time here at Poker Fraud Alert. We always have someone that scams someone. Fortunately, the CLA one wasn't that bad. I mailed in the affidavit, so we'll see what happens. It could be the worst <laughs> out of all of them. That's the funniest part. Which affidavit are you talking about? Because what he did was he took the check that I had sent him, tried to cash it at Wells Fargo, and got denied because there was a stop payment on it. Oh, wow. So then he changed the bank account and routing number on the check and and uh, cashed it at Walmart. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, and then a collection agency sent me a letter. They were hired by Walmart. Wow. I, I didn't know. Did you post about this on the forum? Yeah. Oh, I must have missed it. Wow. I have no idea. Yeah, I had no idea he was, actually taking, he was actually taking your checks and modifying them to try to. Wow, this guy's really for $100. desperate. hundred dollars. That's really desperate. For a hundred dollars, he's modifying checks. Wow. All right, uh, one step. Hello. Hello. So one step. Uh, I saw you started. I I hate to even give this airtime, but one step started on our forum. Excuse me. I I, I had I had content. And you. I look forward uh, to that thread every two years. I guess Weissman even likes yeah. it. It's the thread called uh, the official Twinks of the Olympics thread. The, this I'm is not the, gay. I, I don't really like get into the pictures, but his captions. I mean, he puts <laughs> effort into it. It's really he, he funny. does it's so, on point every two years. Yeah. So so every two years, one step shows up and and posts an official thread of the hottest Twinks in the Olympics. Will you be doing one for the Summer Olympics too? Of course. Yes, and then the Paralympics as well next month. Oh, wow. Paralympics. So, so, so yeah. in case some of you are from, unfamiliar with the terminology, twinks are – well, why don't you explain them one step since you're no, the expert? You no, listen, it's pretty totally self-explanatory. Um, most, some of these picks aren't even twinks. Um, but, but I was just going to ask you uh, – I, I, know you, I know you read it. Uh, I was asking, you know, purely from a um, platonic and a heterosexual term, uh, which is your favorite out of the time. Which is my fa- now, which is my favorite guy you posted? Now, again, twinks are supposed to be like, uh, like young, uh, well, like young, cute-looking gay boys or something. Is that what twinks are? Oh my God. Yeah, you know, you're close enough. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm, I'm so trying to is, figure this which out. Which is your favorite? Okay, so so one step posted a thread called "Official Hottest Twinks of the Winter Olympics 2014," and then posted uh, ten different guys who are in the Olympics, and w- with commentary on them, which I won't bother to read. You can go find it yourself if you'd like to read them. So now, do you want to know what my favorite uh, guys that you posted I, were, I know you, or the f- yeah, favorite I know, commentary? I know, 
Yeah, but I, I know you've read them, so I'm just curious, you know. But I'm wondering if you're asking me which commentary did I like the best or which guys did I like the best. Think he memorized, like, which one was his favorite? <laughs> yeah, that I didn't well, do. No, I, know I actually, read it. I, no, I actually had to. I, know I did read it, it, but I had to reopen it because I I didn't say okay. Well, I'm going to remember number three for when one step calls in. Yeah, that guy was really hot. Like that, nothing stuck in my mind like this. Like I remembered the thread very well. I didn't have any real memory of the individual guys you posted. Like like really, this doesn't. I'm not just saying that. Like it, it just doesn't stick in my head. I don't. I don't look at guys the same way you do. So like I, I just see guys, I see what you're doing here, and you know I read what you wrote, and you know I get a laugh out of it, and that's it, and I close it. Like I don't. Uh, so. No, that's fine. I was actually gonna. Uh, I, I mentioned in the thread that I, you know I went on vacation to Israel um, a couple of weeks ago, and I almost got scammed. I figured that awesome maybe you wanted to hear. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so he went to the land of Jewishness and and got scammed by a Jew or by an Arab. No, 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 by, by Israeli. Um, That's so, a joke. So, <laughs> no, you can be Israeli and still be, uh, you know, Catholic or whatever, Muslim. Or, uh, so, but was it a Jew yeah, or not? So, yeah, right. So, the thing is, I I go uh, on one of these, uh, like, dune buggy ATVs type thing. Yeah. Um, and I sort of... I sort of crashed this private party beforehand, and I drank a couple glasses of wine. Uh, and like when you do the dune buggies over there, there uh, no like guardrails; it's just a cliff. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, like five minutes before the ride is supposed to end, I flip over my cart. Oh boy! Uh, off a cliff. Off a cliff. <laughs> yeah. Are you out of the closet? No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You flipped over a cliff. Now, what what happened to you? How did you not get like hurt or killed there? It was because it was only one like only one revolution, and like a tree broke my fall. But <laughs> what? How high was this cliff? Ah, it was like ten, fifteen feet. That like, sounds pretty bad to me. Yeah. So uh, immediately, you know, after I got out of the, I got out of the. ETV or Doom Buggy, whatever. He was like, you know, assessing the damage, and I was waiting for him to, you know, try to, you know, pull some pull, pull some money out of me. But so he's like, we get back to the compound, whatever, and he tells me whatever. Long story short, he shows me the bumper here and, and uh, whatever the lights got broken. So he wants me to pay two hundred dollars for it. So I told him, you know, you're not getting $200, you know, whatever. It sounds like you're scamming and this guy, he, though. You you damaged the ATV. Yeah, well, whatever. I just told you scamming was going on. I didn't tell you. <laughs> so you were the scammer, actually. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, yeah, exactly. So he he's like, uh, the, I only cover the insurance. I don't cover the vehicle. So I'm like, listen, it's the cost of doing business. So he, he didn't let me out of the office so I'm sitting there like he doesn't let me out of the office and I'm like listen either you let me leave or I'm calling the police he goes okay call the police so I call the police are you jogging and... <laughs> no 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 I'm outside it's really cold hold on one Jesus. second Jesus um, I know it's freezing here but it's not like uh Back where it is, where you, you sound kind of tired during this. But here, actually, uh, it's funny you mentioned this. Someone, while we were uh, 
listening to your story, someone, believe it or not, who was there with you when you were dune bugging <laughs> there actually sent me a audio recording of you wiping out and going over the cliff. So here it was. Was that it? Yeah, good. Anyway, so so he's like, so he's like, okay, so I wait till the police comes. Police tells me, uh, you got to pay because it damages. I'm like, I don't have any money. I was like, whatever. I'm not paying your shit. So uh, the police are like, all right, so he's going to sue you. I was like, okay, fine. Because this was on a Friday. Uh, I was supposed to leave Saturday night. And so it's like, I was like, already sue me. So then he's like, all right, no, I want to press charges and take you to the station. So I'm like, fuck that. I'm not going to the station. I agreed to it. I agreed to pay the $200. He made me write a statement on a piece of paper that when it came back to the States, I wouldn't dispute the $200 charge on the credit card. Mm-hmm. So I wrote that in a piece of paper, and then I came back to the hotel, and he's like, okay, you call with their credit card number, and, you know, when it goes through, I'll give you back I'll give you back your ID that she took. So I came back to the hotel, I gave him the credit card number, he told me that I needed a magnetic strip to, to, uh, for it to authorize. Like, all right, so he's like, come back on Sunday. I'm like, all right, sure, no problem. I'll come back on Sunday, buddy. And uh, I left Saturday night. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Let's that's, get to Sunday. That's pretty much... so, so he never... That's it? No, but... so, so he never charged you? Was he not able to charge you now? So, so yeah, so I come... I come, I uh, Before I leave, I check my credit card statement, no charge. I come back home. Two days later, the charge went through. So I called up my credit card company, and I told them... You know, I have no clue, you know, who this company is, yada, yada, yada. And uh funny thing is, the guy's uh, first name is Eli. So I'm like, oh. <laughs> so I'm like, hey, whatever. So he has so he's, he has my ID card, whatever, my driver's license. And uh he's still waiting for the $200, I guess. He's going to wait for a long time for that money. So wait a minute, wait a minute. When uh, I get my, so did the when I get my full t- t- money, he gets his $200. Hold on, did they take he your side? Wait as long as that story was, he'll pay it. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, yeah. Uh, did I have a few questions here. Did yeah. the credit card company give you back the money immediately, or what did they do? Yeah. I yeah, thought you I mean, had to do a dispute, it and it takes a while. How would how would they do this so quickly? Well, it, well they said within two days it'll be off my thing. So you just said it was fraud then? You didn't say you, – you said you had no idea who this yeah, was? Yeah, absolutely. Well, but it you was underst- fraud. I was – I signed it under duress. No, 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 no. But you, you understand like I, your – okay, I, I, I know a little bit about this. Not this specific. Yeah, that's but, what I'm sharing the story with you. Okay, let me tell you something about international charges. These are very hard to dispute. Um, we actually had a situation uh, many years awesome. ago. Many years ago where there was a hotel internationally that didn't give what they promised. And when an attempt was made to dispute it, we were told that the dispute cannot be done because they do not do international disputes except in a case of fraud. If it's you get there and it's not exactly what you were promised or whatever, while they would take that in the U.S. in the that's the, that's the thing is the only only charge I had on my credit card was from that place. Okay, so this is the problem when they tell this guy we're not paying you your two hundred dollars because this was fraud. He'll show this thing you signed, which you can say is under duress. Yeah, but, 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 the but, but then they'll know is, you were there. Then they'll know it wasn't that's, fraud. That's just a piece of paper. 
that's just a piece of paper. There's no credit card receipt. There's no anything uh, that with my name on it. It's just he could have wrote that himself. He could have, but I think they're going to no... believe. I think they're going to have enough evidence to where they're going to believe that you just had a dispute with a guy and are claiming it was fraud and you have no clue who it is and they're going to rule in his favor. That's my guess. But maybe they won't. But that's that's my guess. So you're not out of the woods yet. No, no, they're not. They're not really. I'm, I'm after in two days when they take off the charge. I'm paying off the rest of the balance and I'm closing the card and then opening up another one. <laughs> and then you're, you're really going through a lot of heroics really, here to, yeah. to screw this poor Jew out of his two hundred dollars. I mean, the truth is, you damaged the damn. Uh, uh, yeah, but but technically, you know, also I could have said that my back hurts and like he could have spent two hundred dollars in the hospital too. And so you know, it's to te- argue. With the word technically, they're usually lying. I'm just saying here, if I was that business owner, I'd be pissed. If I were him, I'd be pissed that somebody drove the SUV, that the, the was it ATV or doom buggy or whatever it was, that drove it off the cliff yeah. and that uh, damaged it and then refuses to pay for the damage. But it was, it, it, but it's a, it was a cosmetic damage. It's not like a, like a, like a performance. It's I can't just, even the bumper we're still was... talking about it. I'll pay <laughs> 200 bucks. <laughs> Yeah, uh, maybe Jesus we should have. Uh, maybe we should get CLA to pay the two hundred bucks. Maybe he'll uh, kick in the money. Can, can we talk about? Can we talk about the health and? Can we talk about the mental and health stability of Tom Dwan? Well, we talked about that last last week, and uh, Tom Dwan did look pretty bad. Uh, have you seen? Have you seen that video? Yeah, I, I, yeah. I think he's 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 one or two uh, sessions from from sucking some dick in the corner there. No, How I, bad do you want to take care of him? <laughs> now, 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 one step. I have to ask you this: You've been part of our community for a long time. Uh, I know you like to talk about uh, all this gay stuff, but you claimed for a long time that you were bisexual. Do you still identify as bisexual, or are you now completely yeah, gay? Yes. Yeah, yeah, are you out of the sober. closet? I, uh, to mostly to yeah, to a few people, yeah. But to but, people, yeah. but it seems like you're only after right. you hardly ever talk about women. So I don't know if I believe this bisexual thing. When it, when you when do you I, I haven't I have hardly heard you talk about women either. Oh, that's, that's not, not true. I, I do all the time. I've I've talked. I don't talk about current women because I've been with one for five years. But but uh, you know I've talked about old story, tons of different old stories with with girls I've dated and girls I've met off chat rooms. Yeah, and, don't make Druff tell us one of his his phone call stories. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you don't want to hear about my stories from meeting girls off chat rooms in 1989, do you? Your I mean, story was long enough. No, no, no. No, no. I mean, I, I talked about all the all the time. I don't think there's any doubt for, here from the audience that uh, that I'm interested in women, but you never talk about women. You talk about a lot of sexual stuff, but it's always about dudes. So how can you say you're bi? It's, it's, it's like the easiest to... because it's the easiest like to get, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> But you're just expressing interest. Like you're not going to get any of the twinks in the Olympics, but you you post about them. But I never see you make like a ten hottest women thread. I can't, I can't wait. I can't wait till till uh, till they have what they have it in New York. That's going to be that's going to be a a feast. <laughs> Great. I don't even know what you're talking. The, about. the only thing he ever uh, mentioned, the only comment I've ever seen him make about women was uh, when Vowels accidentally took a picture of her leg when she was trying to do a cat picture. Uh, you, you you talked about Vowell's leg and how it looked good. That was the only comment I've ever seen you make oh, towards women. By the way, no, but I, I hooked up with an Israeli soldier in uh, uh, in in Israel, both a female and a, and a male. Great, the guy's going to get Huh? That was probably the <laughs> that was probably uh, one of the highlights of my trip. Wait, wait, what about uh, a female I soldier? Israeli. Really, 
Israeli women are very, very aggressive. So wait, what, what happened? Uh, hold on, hold, what happened with you and the soldiers? <laughs> <laughs> there was a. I hooked up with an Israeli female soldier and an Israeli male soldier. One I hooked up in the woods. And uh, is this a true story? Was, you know, like in the castle. No, no I just, I just. <laughs> Listen to this kid. No, Are you it's, kidding it's, me? I never know what to, I never know what to believe with him. Like at the very beginning years ago I thought this whole thing about being bi was a joke. Now now I'm convinced it's not a joke, but now I'm thinking I that, wish it, I wish it wasn't. No, now I think that uh him being bi is a joke the other way that he's really gay. But whatever. Uh No, no. Okay, so whatever it doesn't I've, matter. I've liked I've, I've liked girls since I was 11. Okay, so whatever we we have a broad audience here of uh, many different uh, races and sexual preferences and uh, nationalities. So, happy to have all no, listeners to the show. That's, that's, besides me and PLL and Fluffer, it's like there's only three people on the I mean, that, those are the yeah, ones who those are the ones who come. Flash. There's only like thirty people on the whole site. No, I mean, I mean, look, these are the people we hear from. There's a lot of listeners here that listen in the podcast format that don't listen live. That we never hear from, and I'm sure there's a number of those who are gay as well. Not the majority, of course, but I'm sure we have more yeah. than three gay listeners. Jeff has a very high lesbian and gay podcast audience. Seventy-five <laughs> <laughs> percent of Jeff's downloads are from the, the LBT. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like the poker podcast version of uh, of, of uh, Judy Garland. <laughs> Ellen Page is endorsing Jeff's show. Yeah. <laughs> all right, one step. Okay, yeah, thank Get you, one, thank you, one step. step. We've we've had uh, all we can take here, but thank you for your call. Oh, man. But we still haven't talked. We still haven't talked about Tom Dwan, though. All right. Good night. Oh, my God. We we did talk about Tom Dwan too. That's that's okay. Too much. Way too much. So I I think like ninety nine percent of all talk of Tom Dwan on the show has been because of one step. So all right. Yeah. Moving along here, I don't even remember what we were talking about when we were interrupted with that phone call. Um, let's talk about Runner Runner, which I just saw last night. Uh, I Jewishly received a free DVD and Blu-ray of this, but uh, I can't I can't feel guilty about getting it for free because uh, I actually work for free for this uh, company that put together the DVD and the Blu-ray. I appeared in an extra that comes only on the Blu-ray for some reason, not on the DVD, called House of Cards, The Inside Story of Online Poker. When I saw the final product, I wasn't all that impressed with it. I'm not going to do a review of that part because I talked about it last week on this show. I was disappointed that the inside story of online poker really minimized the whole cheating angle. And The reason I did this for no pay was they invited me to do it based upon my appearances on the 60 Minutes and CNBC specials about the same subject. They told me, look, Runner Runner is a fictional movie about online poker cheating. So we're going to have a feature on the DVD about real online poker cheating, and we want you to be one of the people who tells the story of it. And I said, oh, great. You know, I'm, I don't need to be paid for that. I didn't turn down money, but they, they weren't going to be paying anyone. But I was happy to come down there and talk all about UB and Full Tilt. But uh, they really minimized that there, and in fact didn't mention UB or Full Tilt by name. And most of the piece wasn't even about the cheating. But I talked about that last week. 
I'm just mentioning it now because that was my real interest in Runner Runner was that I was in the extra, which is really the first time I've ever appeared in any kind of DVD extra of any kind. So I just picture a hilarious picture of you with your arms around Ben Affleck and Justin Timberlake, like <laughs> poolside with like a Hawaiian shirt on. You know, and I wish that was true, but unfortunately, I, I had nothing to do with that. I this was a feature that was made after the film was long done from uh, being completed. It was actually sitting in the can waiting to be released. They made this extra, and even though Ben Affleck and Justin Timberlake are in the extra, and in fact, like, I'll say something, and then Ben Affleck will continue right after me on the same subject, almost like we're in the same room, but in reality, they, you know, I was never anywhere near them. But uh, Real quick about this movie, was there even one hand of poker played? No, and that's what I was about to get to. I was going to review this movie. And that was one of my biggest criticisms of the movie. Uh, Let let me get to my comments about this. Runner Runner, for those of you that don't know, it's written by the guys who did Rounders. And so you'd think you'd have high hopes for it. But these guys, you never know when they write something whether it's going to be great, terrible, or okay. It can be anywhere in there. Uh, They're the ones who wrote that series Tilt. Did you see that on ESPN like eight years ago? Yeah. Yeah, that, that was... Really stupid Awful. too. Yeah, so they did that, and they really hadn't done anything poker related since Tilt. So this is their return into the poker storytelling realm. Now they have done other projects such as Ocean's Thirteen, which was actually pretty well liked by critics and by the audience. So that was one of their more successful product projects. They also made an, another movie called Knockaround Guys back in two thousand that didn't do well at all, but I actually really enjoyed it. It was like a mob movie. But they've I've heard of it. I didn't see it. Yeah, Ocean's it like, Thirteen was all about the cast. Yeah, that's why people like. Yeah, it. so it was. Uh, they've had mixed success, but uh, with this one, they really screwed up. Uh, now they took something that could have been an interesting subject, and that is the shady world of online poker and the cheating scandals and the lives that are affected by the cheating scandals. And there's a lot of good material that could have been written from this that would have they made a good do movie. anything like that. Then they didn't. So, so first of all, you watch the trailer. And, uh, in fact, I'm going to play, not the whole thing, I think it's like four minutes, but I'm going to play the beginning of the trailer, and then I'm going to talk about how different the early part of the movie was from what the trailer appears to be. Here it comes. You have a real gift. I want you to make this place proud. But gambling is forbidden on campus. I owe 60 grand tuition due next week. And that's if I don't eat. Change your tune, or you won't have a school to pay for. Is your plan to gamble for your tuition money? It must be really nice to have your education paid for. I've been three-tabling. Statistically, it's the right play. This is the one you wait for. Maybe he was waiting for you. Okay, so... 37 seconds so far into this trailer. 37 seconds setting up the beginning of the movie. So, the whole trailer is two and a half minutes. The 37 seconds of it was him needing... The, the main character here, played by Justin Timberlake, needing money for school and playing online poker to try to win that money and then getting cheated by a super user. And and uh, so you would think with 37 seconds devoted to that in this two and a half minutes trailer, this would be a substantial part of the film at the beginning, and it would really set up something that you really cared about as a viewer. Nope. No, no. It's, would you believe in like five minutes, 
Everything you just heard here happened in five minutes in the film, at the beginning. I didn't time it, but it was really, really fast. So the, the movie starts, and it's this weird story right off the bat that just doesn't make any sense about uh, how he's not just a poker player, he's an affiliate. Now, how much does the average viewer of a movie know about poker affiliates? Like, nothing. Is the world of poker affiliates very exciting? <laughs> like, why, why even make him a poker affiliate? Why not just make it simple that he's a poker player online and needs to win money for tuition? But it's this weird yeah. story about how he's a poker affiliate and he's getting in trouble on campus for, uh, for getting other people to sign up to poker sites. <laughs> and, and that's like really he's the story. drugs on campus and like, yeah. who, si- who signed you up to that? There's no way you found that on your own. Yeah, and so, so Princeton is about to like expel him for being a poker affiliate of all things, and <laughs> and then he also can't play tuition is the other problem. He's, he's like he's running short on tuition, and he's told, "Well, you've got to close down your poker affiliate business." And he's like, "Oh crap! Well, now without my poker affiliate business, how am I going to pay tuition?" So this this like happens within like a minute. And he's the like the badass affiliate on campus. Yeah, like he's like like someone comes up, they're like, "Yeah, I get you seventy five percent bonuses," and he walks in, he's like. I got one fifty. Like he's like, <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like. How did this affiliate stuff even get in here? The the writers were obsessed with poker affiliates. But anyway, then then he goes to play poker, and they could have made a nice dramatic scene out of this, where the kid whose back is against the wall needs to win money to get his tuition, and they're they're not going to show long boring poker hands, especially for the non poker uh, knowledgeable audience, but. Uh, they had an opportunity here to show, show some dramatic things happening, such as uh, him making a huge bluff, saying, okay, this guy's got to fold. I'm going to go all in here for 17000 and then watching the guy call him with nine high. And, like, like, that would have been good material even for people who don't know poker that well. But instead, we never got to see a hand of poker being played. We actually sit on the other side of his laptop, you know, the side where you can't see the screen. And you hear him commenting on things like, "Oh man, every time he's, every time I'm weak, he raises me, and every time I'm strong, he folds. Why does this keep happening? Oh man, he called me with eight high. Oh man, like we're hearing his commentary, but we're not seeing any of the screen. We're not seeing this happening. We're not seeing his balance really go down. We're just seeing him and some other college kids watching him play and commentating on the play. I'm like, why aren't they just showing the hands? And they clearly schooled him on how to talk about it. Because the two minutes of poker that are discussed, like, he knows the lingo. He knows what to say. Yeah, yeah. So I had an interesting experience watching this because you had me watching it, who, of course, has been immersed in poker for, uh, you know, 13 years now. And then we have my girlfriend who lightly knows poker enough to, like, follow reports online of my hands, but uh, is otherwise not in the community and has never played an affiliate. Yeah, she's not an affiliate, and she's never played a hand of poker in her life and doesn't want to. So um, she was saying that it, it looked like they were just uh, throwing in all this poker lingo on purpose and that this, there's no way this could appeal to a mass audience uh, seeing this. Uh, it looked like they were trying too hard to put in the, the poker lingo, which they were. So then I don't remember even seeing him bust out. I don't remember like seeing him go all in. And then and th- I just saw this yesterday, by the way. So unless I missed it, I never actually got to see him go all in and see his account read zero. Like, that would have been a great dramatic moment for the kid who needs the money for the uh, tuition. He's about to get kicked out of Princeton. No. They just show him, like, really frustrated and closing his laptop. Like, they can't even show the guy going all in and losing to the super user. So then right after that, 
they do an immediate cut. Like, you don't get to watch him in pain over the whole thing or in disbelief. An immediate cut to him sitting next to a black guy. A black guy who has not been in the film so far, which is only about five minutes long so far. Is this when they look through hand data? Yeah, this is when the black guy, who is really black Michael Josem, if you remember in uh, the 60 Minutes special in 2008, the one I was in, there was a guy sitting next to me named Michael Josem, who works for Poker Stars now, by the way. He didn't at the time, as far as I know. But Michael Josem was uh, one of the people who did the mathematical analysis of the super users on UB and determined how far out of the norm the luck was for guys like Neo Neo and other cheaters on the site. That's how they, they proved beyond the shadow of a doubt that it was cheating there, not just a guy getting lucky. So Michael Josem's quote on 60 Minutes in 2008 was that the after they did the mathematical analysis, the chance of this guy getting this lucky was about equivalent to winning a one-in-a-million lottery four times in a row. And he said, that just doesn't happen. So the quote in Runner Runner was from the black guy, from black Michael Josem, says, he says this Justin Timberlake, the chance of him being this lucky is like winning the Powerball four times in a row. I go, where have I heard that before? So they just like straight up stole Michael Josem's line from 60 Minutes. He didn't get any money for it either, of course. And they turned him black. So uh, I even asked Michael Joseph on Facebook what he thought of that, if he uh, not only liked having his line stolen, but being turned into a black guy. <laughs> he said he should have been uh, played by Justin Timberlake, then he would have been happy with the whole thing. <laughs> so uh, anyway, they just dropped this black guy in, out of the blue, who otherwise had nothing to do with the movie before or after that, to tell him that his opponent got lucky to the point of like winning four Powerballs in a row. So then they quickly jump to another scene of Justin Timberlake angrily walking, saying that he's going to fly to Costa Rica to confront the owner of the site. Now, this is like in five minutes. Yeah, because that's what normal people do. Yeah, so, like, I really thought when I saw this trailer that we were going to have a nice build-up to this, where we see, that, first of all, nothing about the affiliates in the trailer, and for good reason, because it was ridiculous. But I thought you were going to have some kid on campus who couldn't pay his tuition, who was desperate to win, was playing online to try to win his money to pay his tuition for Princeton, and then got cheated by a super user. And then after we watched the frustration of uh, not only getting cheated, but knowing he's going to get kicked out of school without being able to pay his way, uh, he thinks about it and realizes his only play is to uh, go over there and confront the owner of the company himself. I I thought there would be some sort of build-up, some sort of uh, investment for the viewer into this guy's predicaments. Because if they took a little time with this, you get to feel bad about his situation with school, you get to feel bad and frustrated for him when he's getting cheated, but not when they rush through it in five minutes. You know, if you're watching a movie, if they barely touch on something, that you don't care enough about the character or his situation. They have to to build it up, because since it's a fictitious thing, the only way you can care about it is if uh, they present it to you in a way that strikes your human emotions to where you can identify with them, not where they just rush through a backstory in five minutes. And that's what they did here. I, I, it was like that they were putting in this gratuitous opening just to move the whole thing to Costa Rica where they really wanted to film it or, or yeah, have it, it take place. it was a short movie. It's not like they were pressed for time from what I remember. Yeah, it was a 91-minute movie, which is barely long enough to be considered feature length. So that's exactly. I don't know what happened there. But that was a huge mistake on their part. So uh, so then he goes to Costa Rica, 
without any kind of real plan either. He just kind of go there and somehow talk to the mysterious owner of the site who's played by Ben Affleck. And then they get back to the affiliate stuff again. <laughs> just in case you didn't have enough of the affiliates in the first five minutes. He's going there to under the cover that he's there as part of an affiliate convention. And a bunch of other affiliates are in town. Again, why they're doing so much with affiliates in this, I don't know. Of course. But uh, uh, then he attends James a par- then he attends a party, which I'm sure they got the idea for this party from the UB parties that took place in Aruba. Now, did you ever go to any of these Aruba tournaments? No, never. No, I was in one, and I was there only because uh, UB actually paid my way. Uh, I, I in 2007, UB actually paid for me to go. Probably with super user money, but I didn't know that at the time. Actually, I kind of knew it. I, I didn't know UB yet, but I knew, this was just as the AP super using was starting to unravel. But but nobody was sure yet. This is in uh, September 2007. So I went to uh, Aruba on UB's dime. And on the night before the main event there was to take place, they had a big pool party uh, with dinner and uh, you know the whole thing was paid for by UB. And, uh, you know, there were girls taking off their tops and jumping in the pool. It was like a, a, a real kind of hedonistic sort of scene. It's like a scene out of a movie. Yeah, it was. And then, and then uh, sure enough, they made like a movie version of it. This, it. They must have gotten the idea from that. Maybe one of these writers was actually at one of those UB uh, parties, but it looked very much like it. Uh, and at that party for the affiliates, which is what it was, by the way, in this, uh, in this movie, it was a, a party for affiliates, uh, He's able to get the attention of the Ben Affleck character by holding up a paper to the camera, to the security camera, saying, I got cheated on your site, I know everything. And he wrote it in, like, invisible ink to where only shining lights on it. So stupid. Shows the words. And I'm thinking, why not just hold up a sign written in magic marker saying that and put it back in your pocket? Like, why why do the whole thing with, with the invisible ink? What was the point of that? But uh, anyway, uh, they called him over. He talked to Ben Affleck's character. Then Ben Affleck's character later invites him to his boat later, uh, tells him, we've credited back your account. Sorry about that. It was a rogue programmer doing it. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think this is concludes our business. We gave you a little bit of extra money too. So you can either go back home or stay and work with us if you really want to make a lot of money. So at this point, even though there were some stupid things and even though the opening was absolutely terrible, that they rushed through the, uh, the setup, this was like the only semi-decent part of the movie, in my opinion. This is the only part that uh, that I thought was at least starting to hold my interest. And, and unfortunately, it went downhill from there once Justin Timberlake's character agreed to work for him. Then it descended into the ridiculous and, and the stupid. Uh, first, did you notice that there was a real brick-and-mortar casino also there in Costa Rica? No, I didn't know. Yeah, there was. They didn't show that much of it, but it, there was a scene where there was some guy playing craps, if you remember, and, and uh, who, who was pissed off he was losing or something. And there was a brick-and-mortar casino they kept walking through that, that they were also supposed to own. But how many big when online poker sites? back on the pool. What was that? When they were playing back on the pool. They were out at, like, a pool party when that guy got pissed about playing craps. Yeah, yeah, but, and there was also a casino there, too, that they kept walking through. And it was so uh, weird because, like, why is there a brick and mortar casino in some like non-tourist area of Costa Rica, which is this is where this is supposed to be? 
Like, why would there ever be a brick-and-mortar casino there, and why would an online poker site be running it? Like, it, it didn't figure into the story at all. I think they just had that casino so, like, they could show people walking through casinos to make it look better than walking through an office. It was really weird. Yeah. Just to make the gambling, like, relevant. Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, anyway... Uh, then they got back to more affiliate stuff, just in case you didn't have enough affiliate stuff yet in the movie. Uh, then he had to go convince some affiliate of UB. Yes, that UB. They talked about Ultimate Bet and UB. That an affiliate for UB was coming. A guy who worked closely with UB as a big affiliate, and they're, they're trying to steal his business. They're trying to steal the business from UB. UB is actually a, a victim in this story somehow, believe it or not. <laughs> so so they they steal the the super affiliate from UB by blackmailing him and uh, fortunately there finally the affiliate stuff ends about halfway into the movie the affiliate stuff is finally over it never had to be there in the first place i i have no idea why that was such a big part of the movie it was weird but uh unfortunately you know then an FBI agent gets involved and the the FBI agent was so over the top did you think that? <laughs> yeah, he was I, awful. The guy was so over the top, he was constantly yelling. He was just Always crazy. He walked up, first thing he did was punch the guy as soon as he saw anybody. <laughs> and this FBI agent, the worst thing about him was that after after the main character, Justin Timberlake's character, gets uh, abducted by the FBI agent, uh, that he goes back and he tells Ben Affleck, he's like, hey, guess who just got me? The FBI. They just grabbed me. They just told me you're under investigation, blah, blah, blah. And Ben Affleck's like, yeah, yeah, that, Bogart. Yeah. That, that happened to me too. Yeah, um, you know, this guy has no jurisdiction here. Don't worry about him. And the funny thing was, he was right. Like, the FBI agent had no power there. It was accepted throughout the entire movie that the FBI agent was powerless. So, like, he's supposed to be putting the pressure on onto the main character, but but he can't because he's powerless. And and somehow, like, that's still a major plot point of the movie. Like, the this saddest has been... part is that guy took that role because he's a great actor. Yeah. <laughs> and, and what's weird here is like. There's been so many movies that have done a form of this where the FBI hassles the main character who's somehow gotten himself mixed up with some bad people and then the FBI like oversteps their bounds and makes really, really nasty demands that border on blackmail that the person has to cooperate now against the bad guys and then the you know, the person's kind of caught in the middle of the main character. This has been done a million times. This has been done a million times, but this is done so poorly here because the FBI had no power in this one. It it kept being said he has no jurisdiction, like, over and over in the film, and he didn't. So, like, uh, it was such a a stupid character, and it really had nowhere to go, and he kind of just popped up every so often in the movie, and then once he'd go away, then they'd go back to what they were doing before. Uh, Another problem was... Maybe they wanted to emphasize how big of pussies the online poker community is they actually (laughs) cave to people who don't even have power (laughs) and then there is the the romance in this movie with uh, with uh, Gemma Gemma Arterton and so obvious there was no chemistry between her and Justin Timberlake but also her character had nothing to do like her character was kind of just there Um, (laughs) they could have made a good scene out of this in that she was with Ben Affleck's character, the big boss, and then slowly starts to become interested in the kid, Justin Timberlake, who comes in and, and eventually moves over to his side, which is what happened. Yes. But instead, like, Ben Affleck's asking her, 
are you sure your your association with him is just business? And he's like, oh yeah, just business. He's like, oh, okay, you know, but if it's not, that's fine too. Like, like he's, he doesn't care. Yeah. He, and she's he, Ben Affleck's like twelfth assistant that he fucks. You know? Yeah, yeah. And in like, your opinion, in your opinion, was Ben Affleck based on like a Calvin Air or a? Uh, I couldn't figure that one Ross out. Hamilton. Yeah, it's funny because they they tried to make some nods to real online poker, so like the. Justin Timberlake's character was named Richie First, which of course is just like Ray First. It's even spelled the same way, F-U-R-S-T. Uh, and uh, they tried things like that, but I couldn't figure out. Uh, ben Affleck's character was named Ivan Block, which is not similar to anything except maybe Andy Block. But he, you know, Andy Block's not a bad guy. He was just uh, one of the full tilt owners, but he wasn't like one of, even one of the main people involved with what happened there. Uh, so I, I don't know. What exactly they were trying to go with for the Ivan Block character? Um, Calvin Air, you know, he, he's wanted by the U.S. government for all the gambling he's allowed from U.S. residents, but he's never been known as like a bad guy or a scammer or. Yeah, it was like a blend of poker sites. It was like a a Bodog Ultimate Bet, you know, Absolute Poker with the scam, and then Full Tilt with the Ponzi scheme, like. It, they never really got into Ben Affleck being a super user, and that's how he got his money. It was more his money was like a Ponzi scheme. Yeah, and that's the weirdest thing. It's like at the end, also, I was trying to figure out, okay, so who was the super user? It was never even made clear if it was him or if it really was rogue programmers. Like, like it was kind of implied oh. at the end that that he set up the whole thing. But if he set up the whole thing, how could he know that uh, Justin Timberlake would would hop on a plane to Costa Rica? Like, like yeah, it's ha- like him him cheating him was kind of irrelevant. It just turned into he ended. Ended up working for a scheme. Yeah, it, him cheating him was what just brought him together. I think it, that if they were trying to adapt it to what really happened, then yeah, they really, really fucked up. If they but, were just trying to entertain people by putting, you know, Ben Affleck and Justin Timberlake on a movie screen, then I'm, I'm sure they made some people happy. But anybody that knows anything knows it was fucking retarded. It, it was just kind of haphazardly edited too, where it's kind of just jumping all over the place, and there were characters that were in it that you didn't hadn't really seen before and didn't really know their function until like a while after they were there like just kind of characters that you're supposed to know who they are but you don't do you kind of notice that too mm-hmm. and like like the captain just who a couple of useless characters that would just come in be completely irrelevant be there for one or two scenes and then not again yeah or even ones that were relevant that at the beginning they don't introduce who they are so you're all confused and, until their part really becomes more clear and not really by design just kind of like they didn't tell the story right like the like the guy who flew the friends. Like the guy who flew him on the plane at the end. Like I didn't understand who that guy was that he kept bribing, and then finally I'm like, oh, he's the pilot. But they weren't clear about that. Like there were there were so many things that it wasn't a complicated movie, but there were so many things that left me confused because it wasn't told very well. So I, I think the editing was also done very poorly, and, um, and it, it just wasn't very good. Yeah, they they, they could have done so much better with this. They could have done so much better, and there were so many op- missed opportunities. Like why have a girl there that's supposed to be the girlfriend? Or kind of girlfriend or whatever with the uh, the main bad guy, and then have the ma- main bad guy be totally apathetic about the the good guy fucking her. Like, what? Why should he not care about this? Oh, and they, here- have, they have the cast to make you know. Yeah, here's another weird film. thing that I couldn't figure out. There is a character in the movie who was like the uh, a corrupt uh, gaming official in Costa Rica that they were bribing. And at one point, he beat up the Justin Timberlake character. Had his thugs beat him up. So these two, of course, become enemies. Justin Timberlake's character and this and this uh, corrupt official. So just like a common convention in these type of movies, sometimes 
enemies from the beginning join forces and become friends or at least allies against the greater enemy. Now, that kind of happened here, except when Justin Timberlake came over to get the help from this corrupt official who once had him beaten up, he asked for him, and the thugs who actually had beaten him up said, oh, he's not here anymore, he just left the country, but uh, you can work with us now. <laughs> like, like, why? Why have him leave the country? I didn't understand. Like, was this actor no longer available? Like, what happened here? Like, wh- maybe, why not have him... in the Blu-ray, there's a lot more deleted scenes. <laughs> yeah. I should watch the deleted scenes. I didn't do that. But yeah, I, I was like, wait a minute. Why Why have the guy leave the country? Like, wouldn't this be a good plot point to actually have this rival of his who had him beaten up that now they're friends to go against uh, Ben Affleck? Like, wouldn't that be a great scene of the two of them making up, or at least partially... No, he's left the country, now they've got to like deal with the underlings. Like That's something that would happen was, in real life, but why Why do that in a movie? It was poorly done, and it was almost like they took too long to make another poker movie like Rounders, and then they waited too long to do it. Yeah, that's... that's and that's, then they made a shitty one. That's a good point, they right, exactly. They... Uh, they didn't do it when poker was most relevant, and then when they did it, they didn't do a good job. So There's just so many weird things, though. Like I can understand writing a story that just isn't that good, but why miss so many golden opportunities? Why miss the opportunity to show a guy busting and being frustrated and going all in and losing online? Like How hard is it to think of that? Like I, I could go into a high school creative writing classroom and say, hey, um, you know, make a five-minute short film about a guy who's frustrated about losing in online poker. And I'm sure that a number of the students there in the high school class would show some sort of thing of a guy playing online and his account going to zero and looking all frustrated. That, that doesn't take genius writing skills to figure out. Well, the worst part is they didn't even need to write it. The content's right there in their fucking face. It's real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even the giant controversy and the super user and the Ponzi schemes, they're all real. They should have just picked one, focused on it, stuck with it, and explained it. Yeah, so it's it's too bad. They had a good opportunity here, and I, I knew the movie couldn't have been very good if it was out on DVD this quickly. It was released in, like, uh, October or something, and now it's uh, in, in uh, early February. They're already shipping me the DVD. Well, that's not true, because let me just give a shout-out to Dallas Buyers Club, which just came out on DVD and was recently out in theaters, and it's a great movie. Maybe it's faster than it used to be. Maybe I'm it is. I've noticed that. Maybe I'm remembering uh, E.T. from 1982 when it took like two years to come out on video. Yeah, no, it's 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 about three months now, and they pop out. Oh, wow. All right, so, you know, if you wanted to see it to see it, then I, I guess rent it, but uh, definitely a very, very flawed movie. I wouldn't go as far to say it's like the worst movie of 2013, but uh, it definitely was not good. Uh, let me Go say watch that. Nebraska or something else. <laughs> Speaking of Nebraska, I was actually in Nebraska for the first time this summer. But uh, uh, Nebraska is—it really is one of the most boring places to be. I was about to say that that's about as good a story you're going to bring home from Nebraska, right there. No, actually, the best story <laughs> from there was—they have a thing there called Carhenge. You can Google it, Carhenge, exactly as it sounds. Is it Stonehenge, Carhenge? And it's like a version of Stonehenge made out of real cars. And really? I, I didn't go there to see that, but I happened to pass it on the road. Uh, and uh, I, I stayed the in... That's trap. Yeah, I stayed in some uh, small town there, and just outside the town was Carhenge. So I stopped there and took a few pictures of it, and then uh, stayed there. And uh, I'll tell you, though, they were pretty smart in that little town. They were like 
three or four hotels in that in that town, and there's nothing around there. And three of the hotels are absolutely terrible, and then one is mediocre. And the mediocre one charges like $170 a night because they can't. They know they're going to tell you something. That's every small town in America. Well, I don't know. I stayed in a number of small towns on this trip, like in Montana and other places, and uh, they were reasonably priced, especially in, in better places than what I stayed in Nebraska. Like some of them I actually thought were cheaper than... I would have paid more had they charged more. But uh, this one in Nebraska really stood out as being a bad value. And you go, like, go look at the Yelp reviews and tri- TripAdvisor reviews, and everyone's saying the same thing. Overpriced, overpriced, overpriced. It's not just me being a Jew. You know it's a great app for hotels? Do you ever use Hotel Tonight? No. It, it's only eligible at noon because that's when all the extra rooms get sold off, huh. and they sell them to you at like anywhere from like 80% to like 40 or 25% discounts. I'll have to remember that. You know, I I don't usually I wouldn't want to plan my travel around that because I've you know I've got a family. I it's yeah, harder it's for really me to make the moment. yeah it's harder to make uh, haphazard, haphazard plans now in my life. I, at one point, like about ten years ago, I did a road trip in the western U.S. where I kind of just drove around with my girlfriend, and what I would do is I'd actually go onto Priceline and just pick some town we're going to be close to. And get something on Priceline that same day for cheap, and we went around for like a month doing that. With the auctions, uh, it wasn't really an auction. It's like you name your price, and if they accept it, they accept it. And I had a few tricks to yeah, like that, get, get the best I mean. price you, you can. Get, you get to pick the price. But um, I, I would never do that again because not, not just now because my life is different, but also since the rise of TripAdvisor and other review sites. There's a lot more information out there than there was 10 years ago as far as uh, the quality of hotels. And it's just really huge to me now to see these reviews before I stay somewhere. So I just hate letting a site pick a place for me to stay because on Priceline, you really get a wide variety of hotels. You get some really good ones for an amazing price and also often you get some crappy ones that they call four-star and really suck big time or they're actually allowed to give you like the worst rooms in the place if you're a Priceline customer. So I, I hated that too. I just hated being like a second-class citizen in the hotel too because I was a Priceline person. Yeah, so, you should definitely check out Hotel Tonight. Yeah, I will. There, there have been times where I've just been somewhere and said it would be nice to get a hotel room now and then I, I look and because it's last minute everywhere wants to charge me a fortune. So anyway, let's get to the next topic here. World Series of Poker. This is my little opinion section. And by the way, if you want to call in and you have something to say other than uh, talking about twinks, the phone number is 775-FRAUD-55 775-372-8355 You can also call the Mount Charleston line, 702-430-1808 702-430-1808 and make sure to show your caller ID on either phone number or guess what? You won't get through. Uh, so th- I want to talk about the World Series. This is what I call my opinion section of this broadcast because uh, this isn't really a news story, but more of just me giving my opinion on something. And, of course, uh, Weissman is welcome to join as- in as well. Uh, the World Series is something close to my heart only because I did so well the first two times I played it. If I had played the first two events and bricked them both, I may not ever be playing the World Series. Uh, I, I just don't like tournaments for the most part. I'm just not a tournament person, much more of a cash game person. And the only reason I really like the World Series is because of how I started out. It's one of these things where you have a good first experience and then 
it's hard to give it up at that point. Absolutely. So since then, I you know I get excited about the World Series every year and all that, just like a tournament player would, even though I'm not really a tournament player. Uh, and it bothers me when Caesars, the owner of the World Series, keeps screwing things up. And you can't expect a giant series like this to be perfect. I'm realistic, but they make a lot of dumb operational mistakes, like really dumb ones. And this little rant I'm going to do isn't so much about the operational mistakes which I've talked about before, but more about the tournaments themselves, which I think it's time for them to change. Now, before I say something negative, I'll say something positive. And I've said this before. In fact, I even mentioned it last week. A few years ago, Daniel Negreanu brought up to the organizers of the World Series that the limit events had a big problem, and that was that the first few rounds were totally meaningless, because you'd, especially the big buy-in ones, you'd start with a lot of chips, the limit events would start at a low limit, so if you have 15,000 chips and it's starting off 2550 limit for an hour, like how much is that going to make an impact on how you do in the tournament, no matter how well you run? It's not. So he complained that the first few hours are meaningless, which is true, and then after that it becomes too meaningful in that the blinds go up too quickly and then it becomes just a luck fest, a card-catching fest. And it was true. So, in the 5K limit, which is now the 10K limit this year, they made a change to where they start the blinds higher immediately, but then repeat them a few times. So, I think the blinds only rise once in the entire day one. And yet they start higher to where they're meaningful from the start. And this was great. This was a huge improvement to the event, and it actually gave me uh, a good edge in this event because my best skill in Limit Hold'em is beating fish. Now you can say everybody beats fish, but no. I am actually one of the best people at exploiting every dollar possible out of fish. Professional bum hunter. Uh, yeah, you could say that, but uh, it's not even just a bum hunter. It's that I'm very good at thinking like the fish and getting every dollar out of them, where a lot of other good players, even players who may be better than me against good players, just don't think right against the fish to get the maximum out of them. That's always been my specialty is getting the most out of fish. So the fish in these limit events tend to bust fairly early, so it's important to get to them early. And here, now that they've made that change, it's at a meaningful limit, but not so high to where it's just a card-catching fest, and it allows me to beat the fish pretty easily here, provided I run okay. And that's how I've done pretty well in this event for the last two years. I had a, I was the stone bubble boy at 19th two years ago, and I was fifth last year. So that was a great change. Um, unfortunately, hardly any other events changed in structure. So we have some problems here in the World Series, both in the selection of events there are to play and the structure of these events. And it's time that someone who's in power there, who has some influence, get these things changed. Now, first of all, I complained about this last week. Limit Hold'em is the second most popular game in most casinos that have spread poker, as far as cash games are concerned. It is nowhere as popular anymore as No Limit Hold'em is, but it's definitely the second most popular. There's a lot of Limit Hold'em running in the U.S., especially in big rooms. Then why are only 
Two out of 65 events Limit Hold'em events this year It's crazy And now they took away the 6 max Limit Hold'em There's never been a heads up Limit Hold'em Which would be a great event Now I'm not saying that a large portion of the World Series Should be Limit Hold'em But the fact that they've removed it from all but two events Is really out of touch For what the poker world wants And it's not even like these were getting bad numbers These events They were definitely getting enough people to make it worth their while Uh, At the same time They still have weird events that nobody cares about Such as Pot Limit Hold'em can you think of any casino that spreads pot limit hold'em? <laughs> I, not one. I, I can't think of how many. I can't think of any pot limit hold'em uh, anywhere. That Did you can they play increase cash. the number of no limit events? I didn't count them, but would you believe that there are also two pot limit hold'em events, just like there's two limit hold'em events? So they're grading them the same Right, uh, absolutely crazy Pot Limit Hold'em is really A poor man's no limit Pot Limit Hold'em's lifespan was essentially Before No Limit Hold'em cash games Became popular Or really yeah, played at all Not even a poor man, a scared man's <laughs> a scared man. so, I, I watched it happen at Commerce I watched it go from All Limit Hold'em To them occasionally offering A Pot Limit game to then offering a pot limit and no limit To then just offering no limit And then no limit became huge uh, After the tournament scene blew up in 2003 And then uh, that was totally the end of pot limit hold'em You don't see it anywhere So why do you have two pot limit hold'em events And two limit hold'em events Like An idiot must have made up the schedule Thinking this um, There's also a whole lot of no limit hold'em events That um, Are too similar to one another There's just too many no limit hold'em, one thousand dollar events. Too many no limit hold'em. Like five fifteen hundreds or something. Oh, I think there's even more than that. It's, it's obscene. Let me let me see if I can count them here really quickly. Um, the fifteen hundreds are the big ones. Well, they have I'm some. Uh, sure they have a few bigger ones, but but uh, so look look at this here. Event no, number. But I mean, that's, they have the most fifteen hundreds. I think they might. Well, let's let's see here. So we have event number four, one k no limit hold'em. Event number nine. Uh, and this doesn't include things like the No Limit Hold'em shootout We're talking about the regular No Limit Hold'em uh, okay. um, No Limit Hold'em uh, Then uh, uh, Event number 9 $1,000 Event number 13, no that's not it Event number 15, No Limit Hold'em 6-handed 3000 um, Then we have Event number 21, No Limit Hold'em 1000 We have event number 23, Turbo No Limit Hold'em uh, there's a number of no limit hold'em six handed that I've been skipping. Uh, Are event these number all rebuys. Tw- no, no rebuys. Event number twenty six, no limit hold'em fifteen hundred. Event number twenty nine, no limit hold'em twenty five hundred. Event number thirty one, no limit hold'em fifteen hundred. Event number thirty two, no limit hold'em six handed. Event number thirty three, no limit hold'em a thousand. Like I, I mean, this just one after another after another. And the problem with this, well, I'm sure it makes them plenty of money, which is their object. Oh yeah. Uh, it starts to become. Less meaningful So let's say you win one of these So sure you win a lot of money And sure you right. have a bracelet and it's nice But well so what did you win I won $1,000 no limit hold'em Well I which one of the, the eight did you win couldn't name three bracelet winners In the past three years Yeah I'm sure they can't And um, you know, forget it, naming them Even if you're the winner You're the winner of like one of eight identical events It's not all that meaningful 
You're happy to have yeah, the money. How many bracelets do they hand out each? Sixty-five. But yeah. I, I mean, the sixty-five wouldn't even be that bad if if it was more of a varied list of games. But there's just too many similar No Limit Hold'ems for a uh, thousand and fifteen hundred they're running, and the thousand-dollar events. I won't even play these anymore. And I hate to sound like Alan Kessler here bitching about the structure, but the problem is they are always giving you three times the buy-in in chips, which they're doing simply... Well, they're doing for two reasons. First of all, they want to rush you through the tournament to where half the field is eliminated by the dinner break, and they can only do that by starting you with not enough chips. Second is uh, they don't want to vary the stacks because they don't want people stealing chips, like uh, our friend Chad Pelton, or whatever his name was, they don't want people stealing chips and transferring them between events, so they're trying to make it where each dollar buys three chips, basically. So, you start with 3,000 in chips at these events. Each round is an hour, which is fine. The blinds start 25-25, then go to 25-50, then 50-100, and 75-150. So it doesn't even move that fast, but the problem is, with 3,000 in chips, you just really can't do very much. Yeah, the first yeah, you round you can move early. Yeah, the first round you can. 25-25, you're pretty deep. Even 25-50. But you get to 100-200 with uh, a 25 15, ante. In, uh, 15 big blinds if you're lucky. Yeah. So, you exactly. You have to make a move early. And not only that, a lot of pe- other people have been trying to make moves early. So, I've had this before where I'm just totally card dead. I mean, every hand. Jack-4 offsuits. 8-3 offsuit. There's over and over and over and over. Fold, 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 fold. I can't even try to make moves because... Um, the people at the table who are raising are, are not uh, internet kids I can re-raise and knock them back off. It's like, you know, 50-year-old men who are raising with, with ace-queen suited, and if I re-raise them, they're going to call me, and if they hit anything, they're going to stack off, so, you know, I, I can't just fire the whole way. I'm going to shoot all my chips that way. So, I feel trapped. I feel like I can't do anything. Fold, 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 fold. I'm not even waiting for the, like, I'm not sitting here waiting for kings or aces. I'm trying to wait for something playable, and I, I can't ever get there. The few times I get something playable, then, uh, you know, there's a like raise, re-raise in front of me, and I see, see myself with Jack Knight offsuit, and I have to throw it. So, um, you know, I I get down to level five or six. They're at 100, 200 blinds. I've still got my same 3K. Maybe I've gotten it up to 4K, and then I'm sitting at a table with people with 15K, 18K. Like I'm like, oh my god, I, I can't compete with this. I, now I have to hope to double up and get lucky, and then I well, don't. I'm out. In one way, this makes the World Series more prestigious because. You know, you would think you're paying a thousand dollars. You expect to get into a well-structured tournament, whereas at the World Series, you know, you got to pay five thousand dollars. What they should do is differentiate the prize. You know, don't give out bracelets. Give out rings or something, anklets for these thousand-dollar, fifteen-hundred-dollar <laughs> tournaments, and then you know, give out the bracelets for the five k and up. But that's all they're doing. They're putting a premium on these higher tournaments, and uh. As far as the limit tournaments go, uh, someone, Jay Stat and Chad, made a good point that these limit tournaments take forever to deal out. And all these, you know, like you said, the casinos are just out to make money. Yeah, so so what happens here is that uh, you have to get out to a great start in these $1,000 events, or otherwise you have no chance. I found that from experience, 
And um, it doesn't go well with my play style, first of all, because I'm not a super wild player. I'm not, I'm not like a total nit or anything. I'm not someone who's who's straightforward and a total nit. I, I make plenty of moves, but I'm not someone who's just wild and just shoving in with crap and trying to just bluff people with air. Like That's not me. So um, for that reason, I find myself a lot of times uh, getting to level 6, and I've moved from 3,000 to 4,000, and I'm dead. So, right. uh, so I just quit with those event, those thousand events. Now the the fifteen hundreds are better. The, the forty five hundred you start with is actually a huge difference between that and three thousand. It doesn't sound like it is, but it actually is. I've actually had a fair amount of success with the fifteen hundreds. Uh, I cashed in the first one last year. I, I always seem to cash in at least one of these every year, uh, sometimes more. As I said, I even got a fourth place back in '06. Uh, just having the extra chips here, the extra Buys you a couple of hours of comfort. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, and it also makes it deeper to where you know, earlier on you can you can uh, you're, you're not forced. Com- I've also had it before where you just uh, are committing yourself with any decent hand after a few hours. That no matter if you haven't moved up in chips, that uh, now any decent hand you've got going, you flop top pair. You, you're you're kind of it's very hard to let it go, even if you think you're you know, probably not good. Well, that's what I mean by comfort. You're, yeah. You know, you're able to play your hand completely and yeah. play everything out. So I've I've done much better in those. Those I'll still play, but there's still too many of them. There's just still too many of them, and uh, I'm also disappointed that in the limit hold'em that while they have changed the uh, the big buy-in one in the way I described earlier to where the initial rounds actually mean something now, the smaller limit hold'em, the fifteen hundred buy-in has not changed in that way. And I don't know why any of the events, not just Hold'em, but any of the limit events, why they're not doing this for all of the events where you start off at a higher blind level where it is possible to bust in the first round and then move it up slowly. They kind of freeze it there for several hours so uh, everything's meaningful and yet it doesn't become a card-catching contest later. But no, here at the 1500 buy-in, you get 4,500 chips. You start out at uh, playing 5100 limit, then 75150 limit, then 100200 limit, then 15300 limit. So really, what happens here is, uh, um, uh, for the first few hours, it doesn't mean much, and then by the time you're on level six, when it's 300600 limit, you're playing, and you, if you still have your 4500 you started with, then you know, very little room to play. So, like for example, you raise and and get three bet. That's already uh, that's already $900 right there. Or not, the, sorry, yeah, that's $900 right there out, out of your 4500 And then, uh, you know, you play through one hand, it's pretty much done. So, I don't know why they don't do this for all the limit events, not just limit hold'em. They really need to make it to where the beginning is not meaningless. And yet, when it gets past being meaningless, that it doesn't move up too quickly to where your chip stack's not big enough to... Uh, deal with losing one or two hands because in limit, the tough thing about limit is unlike no limit where it's easier to fold in limit you flop top pair it's very hard to let that go so uh, they need to make that change I I don't like the structures I don't like anything uh, that I've been talking about here and it's been going on for such a long time the World Series has been under the control of the Caesars Corporation since I think 2004. And it's been at the Rio since 05. It's time to update the World Series. It's time to think about actually making these tournaments better and not just not just the single-minded pursuit of making the most money because you keep the players happy, 
That'll also help you make money. Try to create another boom. So, um, I'll talk about uh, Mount Gox here, and then we'll have our uh, Chico Loco phone call. And uh, we'll open up the phones, too. See if I got any... Did I get any texts here? Let's see. If anybody wants to text, it's 775-372-8355. 775-372-8355. I have my usual texter who has a boner. Every single week, this guy's got a boner. He writes at uh, 917 tonight, I got a boner. Sorry I'm late. He was late telling me he had a boner this week. Didn't know about the show till I accidentally opened PFA. Weird. He accidentally opens the site. That's not very good. Uh, text me next time so I can listen to the whole show. So now, now I've got to tell the guy, the boner guy that we're coming on the air. What's this area code? Uh, 815. Wow. Yeah, he's our most regular texter, sadly. So, um, Mount Gox, I, I know you've taken some interest in uh, Bitcoin. Boy, this is a really a fiasco over there. I didn't think this was going to happen when I was talking about Bitcoins a long time ago. When I talked about Bitcoins a long time ago, and I talked about their vulnerabilities, I really thought if Mt. Gox was going to have problems, it was going to be because the U.S. government was going to clamp down on Bitcoins and go after Mt. Gox and take them down in some way, and Bitcoins would crash. That was my kind of prediction for the way Bitcoins would not completely get destroyed, but to where their relevance would... uh, drop immensely and the value would fall very fast. I never pictured that Mt. Gox would essentially pull a full tilt and basically scam everyone. Uh, Now, I don't think, much like full tilt, I don't think this was... You don't think it's too early to tell? Well, it is a little bit early. These are are theories. It is true that this is not uh, confirmed in any way. But I don't think Mt. Gox set out to scam people or rip them off. But I think it happened in some way. I think, if I had to guess here, the Bitcoins are gone, or a lot of them are gone, and that they don't have the money to pay people out. Got Uh, stolen? I think it may have gotten stolen, yeah. Uh, So this is what Mt. Gox has been saying. We talked about this last week. Mt. Gox has been blaming their problems, which, by the way, go much further back than this week. They go all the way back to, uh, I think, the beginning of January, maybe even before that of where they were just getting really slow with support. They were getting very difficult with when people would withdraw, and uh, withdraw meaning uh, they were trying to uh, cash out in real money, that uh, it was getting difficult to do that. Uh, But the real problems happened recently when Mt. Gox was refusing to let people transfer their bitcoins from outside of Mt. Gox. So if you had bitcoins with them, they were stuck there which is really terrible and pretty much uh, counters the entire point of Bitcoin. Red flag. I mean, Bitcoin, the whole point is it's supposed to be anonymous and you can transfer it wherever you want it to go. You can use it anywhere and it's anonymous. It's almost like internet cash. Uh, If it's stuck on Mt. Gox and you can't use it anywhere except on their own site, that's kind of uh, against the whole point of the Bitcoin in the first place. How long ago did they implement that? Uh, I'm not sure when it started. It was somewhere around uh, a week and a half ago, I think. But okay. but they uh, so they were referring to this as withdrawals, but it's kind of a poor term because withdrawals makes you think about trading them in for cash. What they mean by withdrawals is taking the bitcoins off Mount Gox. So, so their initial statement about this was basically saying there's a problem with the bitcoin themselves. The bitcoin protocol has a flaw in it that people can exploit. 
And until this flaw is corrected, we've had to suspend withdrawals. Now, their first statement was really, really strange. Malleability, right? Yeah, but they didn't get to that quite yet. On, On February 7th, which is only nine days ago, they made a statement that they're trying to understand what's going on. So it says, to understand the issue thoroughly... The system needs to be in a static state in order for our team to withdraw the with, to re- resolve the withdrawal issue. It is necessary for a temporary pause on all withdrawal requests to obtain a clear technical view of the current situation. So that's really strange. That's saying, well, we need to look at our system and figure out uh, what's going on here with a technical problem. So it sounds like it, it sounds like they're tra- they're stopping all transactions to see. You know what kind of wave of transactions are getting sent off? Is had they closed down the Mount Gox? Uh, like, were you allowed to trade off of the site then? That's what they're saying. They're saying that they're closing that down so they can look at everything clearly. And that seemed really weird to me. It reminded me of like a restaurant that's really really busy, that uh, has a huge line out the door of a hundred people. And the, the restaurant says to everybody eating in there, "Sorry, while we're trying to figure out how long the line outside is, we're going to stop serving food." We're just going to not serve anyone that's sitting at tables right now. You're like, wait a minute, that doesn't help matters. <laughs> How does that help anything? You know, keep serving, then you can figure this out. So it Maybe seemed... they were trying to see who took the bitcoins off of their network, you know, by seeing how much they withdrew and then how much they were taking off the network and seeing if those numbers added up. Yeah, it was, it was really strange. I'm not sure what they were trying to do there. But then they get, they got more clear about the whole thing on the 10th, and we talked about it on the last show. This had just happened then. That's when they talked about transaction malleability. And transaction malleability, the simple way to explain it is it's a problem in the Bitcoin protocol that makes it vulnerable to someone sending Bitcoin and then modifying the transaction to make it look like the Bitcoin never actually got there when it really did. So um, so what happens here is, uh, or it's the receiver who would do that. So let's say... Weiss, I say to you, hey, um, you owe me a Bitcoin for whatever. We, we bet a Bitcoin. You owe it to me. And I'm not Claw, so you actually pay me. Uh, so you send me the Bitcoin. And then I actually get the Bitcoin, but then I can modify it on my side to make it look like the transaction didn't go through. So I come to you and go, hey, man, there's a, a problem. There's an error here. you got to send it again. So then you go and take a look, and sure enough, it looks like there was an error. So you send it to me again, and now I've gotten a second Bitcoin, and you don't even realize it. And uh, to you, it looks like I've only gotten one. It looks like the first one failed when it didn't. So it's a way to get double paid, or even more than double paid, by just claiming that there's a problem, resend, resend, resend. So, but is the balance only negative one? Which balance? On the player who sent the first one, and then it didn't show up, and then sent the second one. Is his balance negative one or negative two? No, it's negative two. It's actually, um, but but um, well, it depends on which end it is. Uh, um, anyway, I, I'm not exactly sure. I think it depends on the wallet of, of how vulnerable it is to this attack. But but basically, people can keep doing that to have Bitcoin sent to them, pretend they didn't receive it, and get it resent, and have the first person not realize that they actually have uh, sent twice. Man, people are so fucking smart. Yeah, it was pretty smart to figure out whoever got this. So. This attack was used all over the place, and Mount Gox claims they were a victim of this in some way. Now, what I'm afraid of here is that this is actually true, 
I mean, I know this transaction malleability is the truth in that it is a real flaw in the Bitcoin protocol. They are working to correct it. Mt. Gox did not make that up. Uh, I also believe that they were probably a victim in some way of this. But what I'm afraid of is that this is not them suspending the withdrawals just to prevent the transaction malleability being abused. It's because they don't have the money. Yeah, I'm afraid that this was used to steal Bitcoin from Mt. Gox. Because that's why they're still selling it. Basically, forty cents on the dollar. Yeah, so so I'm afraid that too much was stolen from them, and much like what happened with Full Tilt, where uh, their payment processors weren't actually sending them the money, and they said, "Ah, you know, who cares? We're okay with that. We're just going to keep crediting people," and then that just made their problem worse and worse because they had already taken money from the players they shouldn't have, and then that really put this over the top when uh, the the inflow of deposits stopped coming in and they were pretending like they were. Uh, Similarly, who knows, Mt. Gox may have been dipping into the Bitcoins that they were holding for people and then they got Bitcoin stolen and then all of a sudden uh, they couldn't cover anything. That's what I'm afraid happened. I'm afraid that the Bitcoin have been stolen from Mt. Gox through this or maybe through other ways too and now they, they don't have the Bitcoins to cover it. Now the question is, and the real thing that matters is, will this crash the Bitcoin or will this just crash Mt. Gox? Yeah, so so here's what I'm afraid of here, is that uh, either way there's going to be a problem. Had they corrected this quickly, I mean really quickly, then this wouldn't be a problem. But now it's several days later. They first announced the problem on the 7th, then on the 10th, they were more specific about the problem. Here we are on the 16th, and there are still no withdrawals. You still cannot transfer Bitcoins out of Mt. Gox. You can buy and sell Bitcoins within Mt. Gox for real money, though I think selling them is hard to actually get the cash offline, but forgetting that part, you can't get the Bitcoins off Mt. Gox. So Mt. Gox is now its own little separate market for Bitcoins, because it's Bitcoins that are stuck there. So the and price is you don't want to get rid of them they're $280. Yeah, so so this is the weird thing now is that bitcoins amount gox $275 I'm looking at right now per bitcoin. It was as low as 220 earlier today. And every day it seems to go down like it has its little spikes back up but then it overall keeps slipping. So uh today it was as low as 220. It wouldn't surprise me if we'll be looking at the ones within a few days from now maybe even by tomorrow. So Andy's like 40 cents on the dollar, right? Yeah, so the other exchanges, like Bitstamp is is one of the biggest exchanges. 660? Yeah, 617 right now. So it, it's it's a big difference. It's less than 40% of the accepted value of Bitcoin on other exchanges. So here's a big problem. A big problem here is that when it comes time for Mt. Gox to either fix the problem and open up their withdrawals again, or admit that they're screwed and that everyone's lost their money. Either way, it's going to be a disaster. Now, why would the first way be a disaster? If they get everything right, why would that be bad? Well, the problem is we've had people buying on Mt. Gox now for about a week at insanely low prices, and it just is getting worse. Every day, they're getting cheaper and cheaper, these Bitcoins, only on Mt. Gox. So, what will happen if... After an extended period of time, which has already been an extended period of time, they finally allow people to take their Bitcoins off Mt. Gox. Everyone's going to get up in mass and say, goodbye, 
We're taking our bitcoins, getting the hell out of here. And by the way, Mt. Gox, thanks for letting us buy these bitcoins at bargain prices. Now we're going to take it over to Bitstamp or wherever else and sell it for what it should have been selling at. And now we're going to double our money or triple our money. And so you will have a mass exodus from Mt. Gox. People will flood the other exchanges and sell their bitcoins because one, they're thrilled to get their money and you know they're just happy to be out of this whole nightmare and actually be able to get money out of their bitcoins again. And two, a lot of them will be selling at a profit because they bought their bitcoins so cheaply. And what we'll do now, yes, they will be selling them at the higher prices now, but the problem is there will be a huge glut of sell orders, which just like in the stock market, when there's a whole lot of people wanting to sell way more than wanting to buy, the price falls. And same with Bitcoin. So when there's going to be this huge flood of sell orders here, the 616 price we're seeing right now on Bitstamp and elsewhere is going to plummet. 450-ish. I mean, it it could get much worse if, if there's a big dumping of Bitcoins like this because everyone's going to see the price falling. They're going to panic that if they don't sell now, it's going to go down to almost nothing and everyone's going to start selling. It's going to be a crash. Now, maybe at some point like has been happening with Bitcoin every time there's a problem, at some point it will stop and then you'll have people buying because they want to get back in on the ground floor again and it'll go back up. But maybe not. This could be a real problem. Now, I think a bigger problem will be, and unfortunately it's starting to look like this might be the case, that Mt. Gox does not recover. That Mt. Gox finally has to admit, okay, we're screwed, we have no money, we have no Bitcoins, or they stall so long that it becomes obvious. Yeah, they're fucked. So if they're screwed, and keep in mind, you know, they make a percentage on every transaction. So maybe they're hoping there's enough internal transactions of buying and selling to where they can get enough money. Maybe they'll even want to buy back their own bitcoins at a cheap enough price to get themselves out of this one. But they may yeah, not even like have them. The only way they could have made this right is if they canceled all transactions immediately instead of letting people buy cheaper and cheaper. I mean, they but probably they, didn't. Didn't, they, they may have that may be their only way out is to have people buy cheaper and cheaper. In fact, maybe they want the price to fall so they can buy the bitcoins on the cheap and then suddenly yeah, have the right they're bitcoins. They're basically now just buying time and letting people buy it, and they're making their little money by money yeah. until they can figure out how they can buy their way out. Of right, this. as I was saying, or, or or just buy it themselves, buy it at the really cheap prices themselves, buy back the bitcoins they're supposed to be holding at much cheaper prices because it's fallen so low. That could be what they're hoping for too. Who knows? Whatever it is. Um, in general, I'm not just talking about Mt. Gox. I'm talking about in general, whenever anyone or any company is accused of wrongdoing and they're really innocent, they want to come out with all the evidence and shout from the mountaintops, I'm innocent, what we're being accused of is not true, and here is all the proof of why we are innocent. If you are wrongly accused, then you want everything seen. You want to be very open at that point because you want everyone to know that you're innocent and you can prove it. When you're guilty, that's when you don't want to say much because if you say anything, you're going to prove that you are guilty. So Mt. Gox is behaving very much like a guilty person or a guilty company in that they're saying very little. They are not promising that they still have everyone's bitcoins. They haven't even made that promise. They haven't said that they don't, but they haven't said that they do, which is very disturbing because they know everyone suspects that they don't. So why not promise them that that's the case? They're not. They're staying silent on that. There's actually protesters who are going to Tokyo 
in the terrible weather over there. It's been very cold and rainy and even some snow over there. People standing in the bad weather in front of Mount Gox's headquarters in Tokyo holding up signs, where are bitcoins? Like, there's people who are really pissed about this and getting a lot of attention. But yet, they're giving very vague and evasive responses. Which makes me think, and also, by the way, don't think that Bitstamp and the others haven't had to deal with this transaction malleability. They all have. Yet somehow, all the other exchanges have gotten through it okay, and Mt. Gox is the only one that has not. Yeah, we're going to get an explanation, a suicide, and then <laughs> suicide. a settlement. And it'll be over with. I don't even think a settlement. I think there could just be, sorry guys, we blew it, we're, we're dead, no more money, we're done. Like I, I, I'm, They'll probably blame it on this transaction malleability, which may even be true, that hackers stole all the Bitcoin. Sorry about that. We didn't expect this. It was a flaw in the protocol itself. We didn't see this coming. Uh, we were trying to recover. We couldn't. Sorry, it wasn't our fault. Uh, we did our best. Goodbye. And if that happens, here's the problem, is that this is going to really shake the public's confidence in Bitcoin, and I think we're going to have a big crash then, too. Because Mt. Gox, which was once the big trusted entity that was holding your Bitcoins, all of a sudden, people see an example that the biggest exchange at one point has fallen and gone broke and essentially had all the Bitcoins stolen. And everyone will look at their existing exchanges going, crap, it can happen here, too. I want out. It's like having your, all your banks get robbed and the banks are just like, oh, sorry, your insurance actually was nothing. Yeah, yeah, that's a good example. If you, if you have money in the bank and think it's FDIC insured, and let's say one of your banks goes in the toilet and you go, okay, well, FDIC, pay me. And FDIC's like, eh, actually, uh, here's a loophole why we can't. Sorry, you don't have any money. Uh, what you would do at that point, if you see the that FDIC sucks. insurance is bullshit, what you would do is you would go to every bank where you have your money withdraw immediately, and keep it under your mattress. And uh, and that would be that. You wouldn't trust the banks anymore. Even the banks that did not steal from you, or did not lose all your money, if you knew that uh, your money was no longer safe in these banks, you would just take it all out of the banks. You wouldn't trust any of the banks anymore. And I'm afraid that's what's going to happen with Bitcoin, is other than the biggest Bitcoin enthusiasts, the general public who's been propping up the price from $5 all the way up to 1200 yeah, they want to see these things turn into actual money now. Yeah, they're they're going to panic, and they're going to say, we want out of this. We If we can't trust Gox, who can we trust? Screw it. This could happen anywhere. There, there's no stability to this. Yeah, yeah. they're, they're going to say, oh, here's millions of people who ha- thought that they had an online currency that could turn into cash, and they got nothing. I need to make sure that what I have online can actually turn to cash. Right. And then people may reinvest, but slowly it'll be a long, long process. Yeah, so I think it'll trigger a big crash and maybe one that can recover at some point, but uh, I think a big crash is on the horizon much more than we've seen yet. Uh, Either way this turns out. I think it's been too long. They have to find a way where these things just can't get hacked. Honestly, you hear about, like, Bitcoin hacks, like you hear about like drone attacks, like they're just like just every day in the news you hear like you yeah, know, seven I, urgents dead, and then you hear like four million bitcoins stolen <laughs> from like blowmywallet.eu <laughs> The problem here is that this Bitcoin is still too much in its infancy, and that's always the excuse when this happens, it's a new technology it's a, a new protocol, there's bound to be bugs and problems, and it's true, but the problem is here it's become way too big for what it was ever intended to be. 
And that's why these problems occur. There's now too much money in it to where, uh, you know, thieves are targeting it. Very smart thieves are targeting it. This is one of many problems that have occurred. And it was never meant to be this. And it just doesn't have a long-term future the way it is. Or it could be a blessing in disguise where this happens and they're like, you know what, finally we have to clamp down on security somehow. And then, you know, this could turn into a a long-term thing where someone figures it out, where places don't get hacked, your money's secure, and then it'll run up, and then that's where maybe it'll get the significance where the government would pay attention and shut it down. Eventually, the end game will be zero. That's the problem, is that there's too many many vulnerabilities between the, the hackers exploiting it and between the government eventually saying, this is, this is too, uh, this is too easy for people to move money around without us knowing about it, and too easy for people to buy drugs. Still got another run in it, though, I think. And, and it might. I'm not saying it's dead yet. Uh, in fact, you know, people were giving me a hard time on Poker Fraud Alerts forum, where I was talking about uh, uh, still buying into it, and how I bought 0.1 of a Bitcoin so I can get myself ready, you know, get that cleared and give myself the ability to buy more instantly when I need to. And people are saying. You're a hypocrite. How can you say that you want to buy into Bitcoin and then criticize it so much on every show? You sound like someone who just uh, goes with whatever uh, the current situation is and changes your opinion constantly. I said, no, I've never once changed my opinion on Bitcoin. I've changed... uh, The only thing I've changed is uh, when I originally said this is never going to go anywhere. It's just a cute little science project. But I've never changed my opinion about the long-term... Uh, result, the long-term future of Bitcoin. I've never right. said that Bitcoin is here to stay. I've never said that Bitcoin is going to be the new paradigm. I've never said stuff like that, and I still don't believe it. I still believe, eventually, it's either going to be near worthless or it's going to be so highly regulated by the government that it will not resemble at all the Bitcoin we know today. But Right. Your your opinion hasn't changed, but the facts of Bitcoins have changed, that they've blown up to 1,200 and, you know, now it's 600. But your opinion's always stayed the same. It's always stayed the same. And, and the fact that so I want to buy in... It's time to invest. Yeah. The, the, I, I only would want to buy in as a short-term kind of flipping sort of strategy. And the strategy is very simple. From what I've been observing, and I've been observing a lot here, uh, I think I've become... We'll, we'll have to see when I put real money on this. But I think I've become pretty good at predicting when it's going to bottom out and when it's going to go back up, just from watching the patterns of people buying and selling it. So, And, and there are a lot of big-time fluctuations here. And if you can correctly time the big-time fluctuations and buy when it's at the bottom and sell when it's at the top, just like in stocks, you can make a lot of money. And it's still fluctuating so much. And if you can do that, you don't have to believe in Bitcoin itself. All you have to do is uh, believe in your own ability to predict the fluctuations, and you can make a lot of money. Uh, now, if you do it wrong, you'll lose a lot of money. But I'm willing to put some money, not a ton, but some money into my belief that I can predict these fluctuations somewhat once I see them occurring. I can't tell you when Bitcoin's going to crash next or when it's going to go back up next, but I, I think I've gotten pretty good at being able to tell once it starts crashing where the sign is that it's going to go back up and where the sign is when it's at the peak when it's going to go back down. That's that's where I've gotten, I think, pretty good at, and that's what I'm waiting to do. But that does not mean 
that I have any kind of faith in Bitcoin or belief in its long-term future, because I don't. And anyone who I think is buying Bitcoin and just holding it, believing it's going to be something huge one day, I think is making a big mistake. Furthermore, anybody who's doubting me, I know there's a lot of people who doubt what I say about this, and a lot of very pro-Bitcoin people who listen to this show, who get angry at me when I criticize Bitcoin's long-term viability. Let me tell you this. You guys are all very aware of certain Bitcoin gambling websites. Unlike online poker sites for real money, where there's a lot of startup cost to it, you have to get software, you have to find payment processors, there's a lot of startup cost that you'd have to get involved with to even get one of these started. If someone said, Todd, go start up your on, your own online poker site, I couldn't get this started within a few days, even if I was willing to take the risk legally. It would take a lot of work and a lot of money unless I wanted to be like a skin or something but Bitcoin poker and Bitcoin gambling sites are different you can buy online poker software for $100 literally $100 go to Google Poker Mavens software poker space mavens that's what we run for the no fraud online poker room uh Belly Buster very generously paid $99 for the software. And I'm not being sarcastic here. He really was generous to do that. But it's $99 software. You could run your own Bitcoin poker room with very little startup cost, with very little work. I could run one easily if I wanted to. It's not rocket science to put one of these things up. It doesn't require a lot of investment or a lot of capital. Why don't I do it? There'd be money in it for sure. The reason I don't do it is I don't want to go to jail. The reason I don't do it is because I'm afraid the government will clamp down on these sites, on these Bitcoin gambling sites, and I don't want to be the one they make an example out of. But if you think I'm wrong, if you think that the government has no interest in Bitcoin, if you think the government can't touch Bitcoin, if you think gambling Bitcoin is not the same as gambling real money, and the government can't touch these sites, then you would be a fool not to start one. Because there is money in it, There's very little startup cost. They're very easy to run. Very easy to uh, get deposits and cash outs. You don't need payment processors to uh, get Bitcoin from people, to receive and send Bitcoin. Very easy to do. You could hire some cut-rate programmer to put all this together for you for probably a few hundred bucks. So if you really believe in Bitcoin and its future and the government's inability or lack of desire to clamp down on this, you should be running a Bitcoin casino or poker room. And there aren't many of them out there, so you could run one and charge half the rake of all the others, promote it where you need to promote it. You'll get players, I guarantee you. You'll make money, I guarantee you. Will you go to jail? I can't guarantee that. You might. The reason you guys are not running a Bitcoin poker room, the reason you guys are not running a Bitcoin casino is because you know the government may come after you at some point. Because you're scared just like I am. And that's because you know the government might get involved one day. Weissman, are you still here? Yeah. Okay, you went kind of quiet. So how do you feel about this? With the whole Bitcoin thing? 
Yeah, yeah. Like, do you feel? I honestly future? think that what's going to happen is it's just going to keep going down little by little until we get an answer from Mount Cox. I don't think it'll be a good answer, and then I think it'll crash even more, and then someone will either have to come up with a way because literally every day you hear about different hacks of different wallets that got you know hundreds of thousands, whatever, whatever, and there won't be another coin you know, in the near future that will top Bitcoin's value. It, it all comes down to securing them somehow. And once that happens, they'll have one more run until I think they become relevant enough where the government has to shut them down. Until yeah. then, it's just a game where the, the best hackers get to take the coins. You know, I, I, I pretty much agree with that. I, I pretty much agree that uh, this basically doesn't have a future. And uh, there are going to be these hackings. There's going to be various scandals. Uh, the new Silk Road, you know, the new the online black market that was closed and a new one opened up. Uh, they claim that their money was stolen through this transaction malleability problem. But now there's suspicion that that didn't really happen, and that what happened was they stole the money themselves, and they're blaming it on that. That this is the scapegoat. It's a great out. It is a great out. I mean, who's gonna, it's hard to prove either way. You're so, a fucking drug dealer. You're not even a drug dealer. You're, you're like the Wizard of Oz of drug dealers. Yeah. So, I mean, this is... There are so many vulnerabilities to Bitcoin. There's no way the government's going to sit here and just leave it the way it is. And, and I think even without the government's interference, uh, now we're seeing all the problems starting to come home to roost. And uh, and Mount Gox, they've already taken too long to respond. No one will have faith in them after this. This is done. As soon as they enable the withdrawals, if they ever do, everyone's going to bolt from them. So, uh, and they know it. Don't think yeah, they don't they know it. Up. It's, it's been too long. If they were going to fix this issue, they had to be on it fast. They, they now they, they let a week and a half pass and let the prices fall so low. Uh, it's it's a disaster. It's created two different Bitcoin markets, and it's a disaster. And uh, I agree that. Uh, it's going to keep slipping the price there, and I wouldn't be surprised if when I do this next broadcast on the 25th of February, nine days from now, if we're talking about uh, prices $80 and $90 on Mt. Gox. Yeah, so. the question is, what will happen to the gap between Mt. Gox and the other wallets? Yeah, I, that's, I'm, that's all that really matters. Yeah, and Mt. Gox is buried. Eventually, it will go to 0.0. .0 is what that's worth. Yeah. It'll be interesting to watch. Every day I've been watching this, almost like I'm uh, watching a, a TV show every day. Of, uh, it's crazy. It's, a, it's like watching a drama unfold here. So I, I watched Mount Gox, and for the first time, like I used to never look at Bitstamp very much, but now I'm looking at both Bitstamp and Mount Gox every day, like constantly to see what's happening. Not because I have much money on the whole thing, but uh, just because uh, it's interesting. So yeah, it's literally whoever's best with the computer will end up with the bitcoins. That's yeah. what it seems like. Yeah, and when this is all over, there's going to be people who got very rich from it and people who lost a lot of money and people who thought they were rich from it and are now poor yeah. again. <laughs> all so. they had were mouse clicks. So uh, as our final thing for tonight, uh, a lot of people have been asking for a prank call. I haven't done many of these on this show for a long time. And I said, okay, we'll bring back Chico Loco, who uh, hasn't been heard from for a while on this show. 
But an ongoing scam, not a poker scam, but a computer scam, has been the fake virus report, where uh, you go to some shady site and you get a pop-up that says something like, uh, our software has detected a virus on your system. Please uh, press this button to scan your system. If you're not very knowledgeable about computers, you press the button. It either then really does infect your computer or runs a fake scam and pretends like it's found all this different uh, malware and viruses on your system. And now you have to all your data. And now you have to buy their uh, their antivirus program for eighty dollars or one hundred fifty dollars or whatever, and that will supposedly clean your computer. When in reality, the whole thing was fabricated by them. They they either infected your computer themselves, or your computer never was infected. And this is just false messages they're giving you, and the software you're buying is just to clear their false messages off the screen. Uh, this particular one is the latter, where. There's no infection at all. Where you're actually running phony software to identify phony virus threats that don't exist, and then you buy their software to clear off their phony virus threats. So there's actually an 888 number that I have that uh, I have. I should have checked it before because these things are always changing. But uh, where you call up and uh, this is after you get this warning, this phony warning, and then they guide you. For I think $180 To get your uh, Computer clean again So Chico Loco who has Received this message on his computer Is going to call up And Get his computer fixed Oh this will be fun I hope this number works It's been a while since I tried it Dialed is blocked VPBX1015 Oh man well, hold on. Shut out what did it say? Your number's blocked. Maybe it doesn't like that they can't see my caller ID. Is that what it is? Let me try this again. Let's hear it one more time. Let me get through in some way. Dialed is blocked. VPBX 1015. Oh, that sucks. Uh, is it, it might be because the number's blocked. It might be that... You know, I'm going to try it on a different phone here. It's either blocked in one of two ways. Either it's blocked because my number's blocked, or it's blocked because whatever phone company they were using doesn't like that it was a scam and did away with it. Hmm. Let's see. Uh, I'm going to call from a different phone here. The number you yeah. Okay. So that so that so that's it's been done away with. So now I've got now I've got to quickly find another one. Let's see here. Uh, uh, Google scam eight 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 number fake virus. I'm okay. sure there's plenty. I'm trying. Here's the one I just called came up there. So that's uh, that's not it. Let's see. Okay. Let me try this one. Just grabbing these off Google. I, I should try these things beforehand. I just thought it would probably work if they had a good scam going. But what's this. the uh, website that's dedicated to messing with scammers? Oh, it's like four one nine eater dot com. Eater, that's, that's yeah. a different type of uh, thing. Let's see, let's see what we get here. I like that. That's better than. Shutty be down right away. 
Yeah, they're just not answering the phone. You gotta think they have business hours. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna. I, I have a list of them now. Let me see. I'm gonna try to call some of these on the list. I get one of these. I heard that Skype noise. I was about to be like, "Oh my god, they have the same same noise as Skype on their <laughs> answering machine." <laughs> All right, so let's let's try this one. Twenty four seven PC Guard sounds like a good company. Sounds legit. <laughs> I'd be so happy if F Mink answered the phone. This 24-7 PC guard. I'm going to get one of these. Hello, and thank you for calling 24-7 PC guard. Oh, yeah. Press 1 if you wish to speak to a 24-7 PC guard technician for your PC-related issues. Press 2 if you are an existing customer or calling to activate your service. For all other inquiries, press 3. Press 3. Press 3 if you are trying to... Best with Hello, us on a radio and show. Thank you for calling 247 PC. This is a very Guard. professional opening message here. Press one. If- this call may be recorded for quality and training sounds purposes. Like, sounds like it's from 1980. Hello, and thank you for Wait calling 247 PC. We just got Guard. this. Press one. If you wish to speak to I a 24. This call may be recorded for quality and training purposes. Sounds like the computer from War Games. <laughs> Hello, and thank you for calling 24. Shall we this play call a may game? Be recorded for quality and training purposes. I tried out Are we going in a circle here? Hello, and thank I, I you tried for calling. One, two, let's try three now. This loop. Purposes. What is happening? Oh, here we go. Hello, and thank no. you for calling 24 7 PC right. Guard. 24 7 my ass. If you wish. It's <laughs> <laughs> definitely misnamed here. All right. Let's try uh, next. 365 Tech Help. That was weird. Endless loop. This place is probably open 24 hours a day, but only two days a week. <laughs> I'm, t- I'm trying to get scammed here. No one's doing it for me. <laughs> how, how? That one didn't work either. Wait, no. All right, let's try the next one. I didn't know it would be so hard to find these. All right, let's try uh, Speak Support. Then we'll try PC Smart Care. It's not as easy to get scammed. Yeah, I, I thought it was going to be pretty easy, but I'm actually having to put work into getting scammed. <clears throat> yeah, you got a ring. Hello. Welcome to PC Smart Care. Thank you for calling technical support. How may I help you? Hey, um, I got this message on my computer, and uh, it's like mm-hmm. telling me I got some some kind of problem and shit. And no, I can't have that. I gotta I'm have sorry? my computer. I, I gotta have my computer working, and it ain't no working no more. So I I've been told I should call this number for some kind of help. Hello. He hung up on me. What? No, I'm calling this back. I'm sorry. Yeah, that guy sounded like he wanted to get rid of some viruses. I mean, I this was uh 
Was that your dog barking or what? No, was that was that? His, that was his dog. <laughs> I don't have a dog. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Maybe he had to go feed Fido or something. Indian Fido. He had to go feed Rajesh. <laughs> so weird. The dog barks and he hangs up on me. Maybe it's like the prank call sniffing dog. <laughs> that is bizarre. Hello? Yeah, they're just hanging up on me. That's really weird. That is bizarre. That is bizarre. Okay, we'll try that one later. (laughs) Did he answer as a computer company? He he answered technical support. What the fuck? But then I I don't know what happened here. Like, he he wasn't buying it. Okay, let me try... uh... So Sometimes when I prank these companies or people, sometimes they're wise to it in some way. It's really weird. No way. He couldn't have got it. No No, I know. He didn't sound like someone who'd be that wise to prank calls, but... You never know. I think the dog threw everybody for a loop. <laughs> it's the dog. Blame the dog here. I agree. That's, That's so weird. weird. Okay, let's try. Uh, this is weird. It's. He was definitely just chilling, not expecting that. Whoever that was, we pranked him good enough where they're <laughs> awake now. This is weird. It's, it, now Skype's not letting me add this phone number on. Why is what is going on here? Pepe just blocked you from all calls. <laughs> okay, here we go. I'm going to get one of them. This is PC. calls may be recorded. Oh, not this guy again. And monitoring purposes. Oh, trust me, it's Thank being you for recorded. calling. Please continue to hold for the next available agent. You know, instead of using these computer voices, they need to go on Fiverr.com and hire some guy to do the English voice. Yeah, I voice. hate these people. <laughs> Here we go. Hi, this is Ray from Tech Support. How may I help you? Yeah, I got this message on my screen that I got some problem with my mm-hmm. computer or something. Okay, what message you're getting? Please tell me. Oh, you know, the thing went away, but it was like it, it, I got this phone number, and uh, then the message is gone. Hey, let me see what. Let me see if I can get this thing back, man. It's a. I was all freaked out, dude, because I have this important information on there, and uh, it was like, I was, it was, it was a messed up thing here, man. I was like all scared, and I got this phone number, and it's like PC Smart Care. I'm like, that's what I need. I need someone who's smart about PCs to make this shit go away. You know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. We are PC smart here. All right, that's good, man. I, say, I need someone who's smart. I need someone who's smart about the PC, and I go, you know, this is who I need to speak to about my problem here. Don't worry. We, we are going to help you out. Uh, first of all, tell me that have you called us before, or this is your very first time? No, I ain't called no one before, man. My computer has been working good since I got it from Dell, and then I got the thing, and I, mm-hmm. I get this shit on my screen. I'm like, fuck, man. I, I've been so careful, man. I got the McAfee and all that shit. Don't don't worry, don't worry about anything, okay? I will take care of everything. But first of all, I need to connect with your computer to check it, all right? So that I can tell you what is the problem and why are you facing these kind of problems in your PC, okay? Okay, man. So uh, you know, I'm going to trust you on my, on my computer. Online? 
Yo, now before we do this shit, man, I got I, okay. I gotta ask you because I'm kind of a private person. You ain't gonna go through my pictures mm-hmm. and stuff, like right? You know, like I've downloaded some shit sometimes late at night. You know, I'm kind of my you know my girl ain't here. I download some stuff. Like I don't want you to look at that shit and judge me. You ain't gonna do that, are you? Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. I'm not going to check any of your personal data. I'm just going to connect with the computer, and you can see what I'm doing on a computer. And if you see that I'm doing I'm doing anything wrong, then you can cut this session. All right, everything is in your control. Don't worry right. about it. Now, if you're okay, but if you're on my computer. Like, how do I control it? Once you, like, got your hand on my computer, man, like, how do I... St- I can't, like, slap your hand away, you know, like you're on the screen, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, how I how could I stop you when if I'm you... When I'm going to connect you, when I'm going to connect with your computer, all right, there is a tool through which we are going to connect, all right? All right? There is going to be a small application which is going to run on your computer, and whenever you see that you want to cut the session, you can simply close that application, and we go disconnect. Simple. It's very simple. All right, man. Let me tell you what I'm going to do here, all right? I'm going to trust you that you ain't going to fuck shit up on my mm-hmm. computer and that we're going to get this whole thing fixed. Now, how much does this whole thing cost for me to do? For, uh, first of all, I need to check. Then I will tell you, all right? Can you tell me, like, what kind of price range we're looking at here? Like, what what is the least I'm going to pay and what's the most I'm going to Just so I know, like, you know, how much this is going to mm-hmm. set me back. All right. Let me tell you. That our, our, as you know, that our company name is PC Smart Care, all right. And if you want, you can go ahead on the PCSmartCare.com on your computer to check our company's website, and you can check the plans at there, all right. And our plans starting from ninety-nine point nine nine dollars to four ninety-nine point nine nine. All right. So you, you're saying, how much you say? The plans here. Okay, I'm pl- I click on the plans. Okay, it says forty-nine ninety-nine one-time incidental support and. All the way up to um, oh man, five hundred bucks, man! I hope I don't need that shit. All right, all right. So we, I'm gonna. What do I gotta do to get you, you over see, here on you my computer? That you have every detail of of the plans, all right, which you're going to get. All right. And you so can decide that which plan you want from our side. All right. So so all right. What do we gotta do to get this whole thing going, man? What what do I gotta do here? Okay. First of all, uh, tell me your name. My name is Chico. My last name is Loco. All right, Chico. Tell me your phone number, your contact number. Yeah, my contact number is 775-372-8355. Okay. Now open Internet Explorer on your screen. All right. I, d- I do that. And now type a new address in the address bar. The address is www.logmein, L-O-G-M-E-I-N, number123.com. Okay, logmein123.com. I enter it. Man, I entered something wrong. Man, I, I think I entered something wrong. It says, there's a thing up here. It says, big ass black chicks, click here to get in right away. Is that your site or is it the wrong place? I think you have some adwares in your computer. That's why you're getting these kind of ads on your computer. I mean, oh, oh man, you think it's adware on here? I mean, this, this chick. If I, I ain't really into the black chicks, but you know, like that, her, her ass looked pretty nice. I'll tell you the truth. You know, like I kind of want to click to get in there, but now I'm kind of afraid. All right, so let's let's just stick to what we're trying to do here, okay? So, okay, so let me so try this in. Log in. Check the address bar. Check the address bar and tell me what is done in there. Uh, it says. 
www.ebonybutts.com. I didn't type that shit. I didn't type no ebonybutts.com. It, it put words in my mouth. Okay. Do one thing. Raise each and everything from there and then again type. Okay, let me see. What do I type again? You need to type in there www.logmein. Okay. 123.com. Okay, here I it's go. It's one word. It's a log me in 123. It's a one word. Oh, man, I just, I hit it and take me somewhere else, man. It says, like, 10 hottest twinks of the Olympics and showing all these dudes there with their junk out, man. You don't even know what I'm seeing. Dude, I, I ain't even gay. I don't want to see that type of shit on my screen. No, see, now it tells me I'm at uh, I'm at hottwinksofolympics.com, man. Seeing kinds of stuff. You have some serious kind of stuff on your PC that is taking you to this, these kind of sites automatically. Do you have any other browser, just like Google Chrome? Yeah, yeah, I got I got the, that Chrome thing. Okay, open the Google Chrome and okay. try to open that site okay, in Google Chrome. Let me go to the Chrome, man. I don't know what the fuck happened to my fucking thing here. I don't. I didn't go to this shit. I didn't. I didn't go to any of this. See now, back on the IE, it's just telling me a penis enlargement thing on here, man. It's telling me my dick gotta get bigger, man. My dick is fine. Like, why are they popping this shit up here, man? My dick is Nano. fine, man. My, you should see Nano all the fucking chicks I got. Where are you calling right now? From what? where are you calling? Huh? From where are you calling right now? I'm calling from LA, man. I'm born in East LA. Okay, uh, so. Try to open the address in Google okay. Chrome and tell me that it is working or not. I, I'm telling you, man, even though it's saying that I, I go to get my penis enlargement, I don't need that shit. I just tell you that, man. Don't 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 believe what it says on the screen. It. Ignore it, ignore it. Okay, okay? just don't believe what it says on the screen. You're going to go see on my screen that's going to say yeah. that shit. I'm going to tell you this was not my... I didn't go there. It was taking me there, okay? you. I, I'll go get the girl on the okay. phone that I've don't been agree, with, and you will tell you. It. Okay. Just, uh, just concentrate on open it. Okay, side. okay. You can ignore all the other stuff. Okay. All right. All right. I got the the Chrome open. I went to login one two three dot com. Okay. I I see the it's shit there. Login. It's log me in. It's log me in one two three dot. Oh. Okay. Okay. Please. Okay. Now here I am. Log me in. Okay. I see this thing. It says log me in rescue. Enter your six digit code. Is this the right place? Right. Uh, yeah. This is the right place. Let me op- generate a code for you. Okay. I'll All right. Secure one. And your code is that you need to type is eight six five two one eight. Okay, let me type this in here. Let me type eight six five two one eight. Okay. Eight six. Type it and then click on start download. And after the start download, you need to run the setup. Okay, hold on. Download in okay. your I, I just type Chrome. Okay, I'm doing that. I think pop up here. I hit okay. Here we go. And there we go. What? What is this shit? That's not me. Man, that, that ain't no one here. Is my my computer doing this, man? You heard what's going on? Yeah. No, I can't. Oh. You hear that? Oh, that feels like. You can close it. Okay, I just closed that, man. Let me let me try. What 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 I got to type again? It's log me in one. No, no, no. I'm, I, I'm still there, man. I, I, site, I'm back there. Click on start download. Okay. I can see here. Okay, I, I'm gonna click it right now. Start download. Here we go. Oh, baby. Oh, just looking at you makes me so. What the fuck? 
Is that what your site does? It puts on some dude here saying, oh, baby to me? You hear that shit? I didn't do this shit, man. You tell me click start download, look what I get. I think you're not on the correct site. You're not on the correct site. I am on the website, man. That's your shit, man. Let me try one more time. Let me try one more time and get this shit here. So what's the number I type in again? It's eight six five two one eight. All right. Eight six five two one eight. Okay. Nothing happening, man. I don't know what the problem is. <sighs> All right, okay. Wait, something, something came up. It says uh, download. Should I download? Can you see the name, the file which is downloading right now? Uh, where is that gonna be? What message you are getting right now? Please read out all the message. Okay. See the message here. It's, it's a, it says uh, downloading. Um, this ain't working, man. That's it. Is it showing you anything? Any setup name? Yeah, yeah. It's showing. Uh, it says. Uh, it still says downloading. According to me, still you are not on the correct side. Uh, Is it supposed to do that? Uh, Man, that's pretty good. Maybe I'll stay here. Uh, you hear that shit? Uh, yeah, if you're playing it, you can see it, alright? But if you don't want to take support, then I'm going to cut the session. No, 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 no. I'm trying to get the support, man. I'm just trying to... I keep getting these girls moaning and shit. You are enjoying this stuff. Well, no, no, it. man. I, I I tried to make you know lemonade out of lemons, whatever you know. That's what my mama told me many years ago. She say, she say, hey man, Chico, you get the lemons, you make the lemonade, you don't complain. I'm trying to do that here, man. My computer's all fucked up. I'm getting the moaning. I'm trying to just enjoy it a bit, you know. I supposed to. What am I supposed to do? We do one thing. Can you go into the uh, on the right hand side bottom top corner of your Google Chrome? There is a setting setting icon. Hello, quick. Can you click on that? Yeah, yeah. Hold, hold on a second, man. You know, this is kind of embarrassing, but from listening to what just happened there, um, I, I kind of got something happen to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, my pants getting a little bit stiff. If, you, if Can you wait a second for that to go down? Because it's kind of hard for me to concentrate on what you're saying when I got this situation in my pants. Okay, then you can call us after some time, okay? No, 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 man. you got to help me. we gotten this far, dude. Can you just wait like 30 seconds while the shit goes down? I'm sure... Like, why don't you just talk to me? I'm sure my thing goes down right there. Okay, so let me when you I hear your voice, man, I'm like totally turned off. We can you support these kind of problems. No, 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 no. I'm saying if you talk to me, man, I'm going to be like totally turned off because I ain't like some homo. And if I was, I like wouldn't be into you. You know, so you talk to me. I hear your voice. It goes down. You know what I'm saying? No, sir, we don't provide this kind of support. So no, you're sub you, dude, you're providing the support right now. It's down. Okay, man, we're past it. Man, we're past it. We're past it. Okay, you just provided that support, man. 
You provided it, man. I'm, I'm like back limp, okay? Let's go. So what do I type now? Hello. <laughs> we finally lost him. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. The best thing here is that there's like no guilt pranking a place like this because I'm taking up this guy's time when he could be scamming some innocent person. Oh, he had the time of his life, too. <laughs> we don't provide that kind of support. <laughs> You sort of ended up by trying to pay him. Being like, I don't want to go any further until I can pay you. I don't feel comfortable uh, yeah, with everything you've seen. How do I pay you? <laughs> can we just make up our own plan? I was trying to come up with good moaning things on YouTube. I was having a hard time coming up with them. No, they were good. So uh, He didn't know what to do. Yeah, he, he like didn't want to quite give up on it yet, but... Uh, Login123.com <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let me get the, right on that. The funny thing was that like, he had to believe it was true at first because you really do have these situations where your browser gets hijacked and takes you over to porn sites. So it wasn't even hard to believe until I like made it more and more outrageous. And then, uh... Yeah, I, I love the penis enlargement. That's what I, I would have went for. <laughs> Actually, I took that suggestion from chat for the penis enlargement. <laughs> So, uh, oh, so anyway, that was uh, that was PC Smart Care, and uh, maybe we'll call another one of these in the future. But it's always fun to mess with these scam companies like this. Those are the best ones to screw with because you can totally do it without guilt. I remember I I've told this show this story before here, but uh, the one and only time I had an identity theft issue where I was a victim was it was a number of years ago, and it was not a full identity theft. It was more of a credit card theft where someone actually was able to gain access to not only my credit card number and my name, but also they were able to log in online and actually assign their own phone number and email to my credit card. Nice. And it turned out to be a guy in Armenia. Not just an Armenian, but an actual guy in Armenia. But I tracked down the whole thing. I, I didn't get this guy's address in Armenia, but it didn't really matter. You know What could I have done? But I got the phone number. This guy ordered so much crap on my credit card and other people's credit cards, and he had a phone number that he was using for all of it that he was answering to pretend to be all the people he's, he's like, you know, ordering stuff under. So it was a very important phone number for him to keep answering. And I just pranked the shit out of it all day. I, like, just called over and over, and I set my computer to just, like, bomb it with, like, hundreds of calls in a row, and he just went completely nuts. He was so tilted by the end of it. He was so tilted by the end of it. He was screaming, Stop fucking calling me! Stop fucking calling! It was it was the most fun. And I said, finally I picked up and I said, You know what the best thing about this is? I can harass you all I want every day, all day, and there's not a damn thing you can do about it. You can't call the police. You can't do a damn thing. I can fuck with you all I want with no guilt and no consequence, and I'm going to do it. And, Robin the drug dealer. Yeah, and and he kept answering the phone over and over, like, hmm, someone must be expecting an important call. <laughs> I, I I don't think it's going to be getting through today. And, Tied up his line. All yeah, day. so so I mean, I I harassed him for like three days, and he finally just gave up and disconnected it. But he was like just answering every single time because otherwise he was afraid he was going to miss the important calls that were coming in. To uh, and I also went and uh, everything he had ordered on my credit card. I called all the companies and made sure they don't ship it. And he had some accomplice in uh, in Maryland that was receiving some of the merchandise. And uh, I called up, I found out the address that was going to and found out the 
phone number of the apartment complex and called them and warned them about it, that the tenant who's receiving it is uh, an accomplice to receiving stolen goods. It was probably his online husband. He was posing as, like, some model chick. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The person, they wouldn't tell me much at the place that uh, I called where that person in Maryland lived, but they said the person I'm talking about isn't Armenian or anything like that, but they wouldn't give me any more info. But I, I said, has the person received a whole lot of packages? And they said, yes. And I said, well, all the packages you're getting are stolen. are stolen, and I pretended to be from the credit card company. It's actually legal to do that. It's illegal to call up and pretend to be a cop, but it's legal to call up and just pretend to be like an investigator from the credit card company. Anybody else. Yeah. So so I called up and said I was that, and I said the police are investigating this, and pretty soon they're going to come and raid the whole place and put police tape around the unit and not let, it, not let you rent it to anyone. So I was trying to, like, scare them into booting that guy out. So You can't impersonate a cop, or you can impersonate a special agent. Yeah, so so <laughs> it was also funny because this guy like ordered a Vonage phone in my name, but sent the Vonage modem over to some guy in Texas. And at first, I thought the Texas guy was an accomplice, and I called him up and like scared him at, at first. But then I realized that this guy was just like an unwitting victim. He's like, "Man, I can't understand it. I just get this router in the mail. I don't know what the hell it's for." And it, turned out, <laughs> it turns out they they just put that random address down because they have they can't just say we don't want the Vonage router because then it's going to look suspicious. So they didn't need the, they already had a router they just needed the the phone number and the service but they had to pretend they had to go through the motions so they just picked some random address in Texas to send it to so some guy in Texas got the router and and I was convinced after talking to him he really was not so much a victim but uh just kind of uh used for this so then I told him the truth I just said I'm trying to I was a victim of this and I'm trying to track down who did it and I was convinced he was innocent and uh it was also funny, the way I, I got a lot of the info I did, when I called Vonage, I got some guy in New Jersey working tech support there, and he wasn't very cooperative at first. And then when I mentioned identity theft, the guy just totally changed the tune. He's like, oh man, I hate those guys, I hate those fuckers, I hope they burn. Okay, what do you want to know? And he just gave me everything. <laughs> so, Yo, speaking of phones, shout out to your AT&T thread. I ended up getting a brand new $300 tablet for $36 net and $15 more on my plan per month. Now, how do you get the tablet so cheap? How do you get the tablet so cheap? So they have a special deal right now. It was, or at least they had it as of yesterday. It was, it's a Samsung uh, 3 or whatever, 10 in, 10.1 inch screen uh, tablet for $99 but when you buy the tablet you also get that $100 credit for adding the new line with the tablet oh I see and I got 10 gigabytes between the tablet and my cell phone for $15 no that's good yeah you you actually made good use of it see unfortunately for me it looked like a great deal at first and then I realized it was a crappy deal because if if you just have cell phones um, if you enter this deal first of all you can't be on an existing contract or else the price is much right. higher and and, no. and then if you're not even if you uh, bring your own phone to it that's already off a contract the problem is you will never earn any upgrades for cheap so if you want to get a new phone which you eventually will because your phone either breaks down or just gets obsolete you're going to have to pay full retail price which sucks so you're not really saving the money there because you're going to end up spending it on a new phone at full price. So for me, that wasn't good. However, if you've come up with a a phone or another device cheaply and just want for the moment to have a a cheap plan, uh, 
then that's that's actually a good thing. That's the new AT&T plans were uh it's like $100 for the first phone and then 15 each additional. 15. Yeah, and, that's and what can, I that's what I did. And it's you can 10 add up gigabytes to, shared. Yeah, and you can add up to 10 phones for for that $15 each and have unlimited talk and text and then everybody shares 10 gigabytes. So so it's actually pretty good if you have your own device. If you have a lot of phones, especially ones under contracts that uh you're going to want to upgrade eventually, then it's not so good. So but uh, for what you're doing, it's great just to add a tablet on. That's uh... yeah. All it was was a thirty-six dollar activation fee that you have to pay when you get the tablet. But it also gives me another phone number, and uh, you know, just another thing to travel with and have internet. Well, I'm glad you got something out of that because I, when I posted that whole thing, I was all excited about it and wanted other people to save money. And then I'm like, ah, shit! I posted something that's not what it appeared to be at first, and I had to go correct it that it wasn't what it seemed. And I, I wasted my time with it. I went through the whole process of switching only to realize at the very end that it wasn't what I thought, and then I had to have them back the whole thing out. It was a big mess. But uh, glad someone got something out of this. And uh, so, uh, Beer and Poker saying that during that uh, prank call that the number they gave me to enter that password sounded a lot like 8675309. It actually did. I should keep that guy on the phone longer than I thought I would. So, anyway. Yeah, he was in it. He was in it for the long haul. <laughs> he felt pot committed. So, thank you, Weissman, for being here from start to finish on this show. Enjoyed having you on here. And uh, we have come to the end of our program. And we will not be back for another nine days. Reason is, Tuesday is the normal day for this show. We're doing it on Sunday because I couldn't make Tuesday, and so it'll be next Tuesday, not this upcoming one, that the next show will take place at 6.30 Pacific Time. Not 7 anymore. 6.30. I'm going to really try to start on time. To be honest, the reason I have to do it is because um, there's I, I can't do radio as late as I used to due to some obligations in my life, and when I was starting at 7 and then starting even later than 7, it just got too late. Just like it kind of did tonight. It's 11 o'clock here in the West Coast. So, starting at 6.30, and hopefully starting on time, will give me some more leeway to start the show early and yet still do a long show and finish at a reasonable time. And I think it'll be good for people on the East Coast so the show does not run so late. So, thank you, Weissman. Thank you to everybody who showed up to listen live tonight on an off night. And, hey, if you couldn't make it to listen on Sunday night, no problem, this will be... In the archives, as always. And I have a feeling that nine days from now, Bitcoin will be in worse shape than it is today. I have a feeling nine days from now, I'll still be banned on 2 plus 2. And I have a feeling nine days from now, we'll have a bunch of new scams and weird things to talk about in the world of poker. So, Weissman, any closing thoughts here as we're down to our final 45 seconds? Oh, where did Weissman go? We lost Weissman. He was here all the way up until the very, very end. We just lost him. I swear it wasn't my fault. I just started the music and he disappeared. Well, anyway, folks, it'll just be me saying farewell for nine more days. I'll be back on February 25th. Remember, 6.30 Pacific starting time. Weissman saying, ha ha, I signed off. Man, this guy couldn't wait to get away from me. Good night and shalom. Shalom.